All sports, all the time. There's heroes and there's legends. Heroes get remembered. Legends never die. This is the Spoken Podcast. Hold your ears, folks. It's showtime. I'm your host, Lance Woodwell. Man, that kid, he can ball, man. He can ball. Touchdown, Kansas City! Man with freaking Mahomes, baby! Uh, let's talk some sports, because that's what we're here to do. You are tuned in to the Spoken. Spoken. Ladies and gentlemen, here is Lance Twidwell. This is the Spoken Podcast. I'm your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. Episode 122 in full swing, full motion. Goddamn, we are so glad to be here. Thank you all for being a part of this each and every single week, man. We love having you guys aboard what we do here each and every week at the Spoken Podcast. It's been a lot of rumblings, a lot of chatter. The NBA season has been absolutely nuts, the playoffs, rather. I keep getting every damn pick wrong. I can't. I I feel life of me don't know what the hell is going on in the playoffs, but I am enjoying this chaotic ride. This is something that I have never seen before in my life, as far as parity is concerned in the NBA playoffs. I'm sure we're gonna have some discussions on that tonight. But guys, we have the Eddie out. We have the Monday mailbag. We got to hand out some L's. We have a lot to get to in the world of sports because a lot is going on. We're just trying to play keep up, man. So before we start the show, though, I was thinking about taking my shirt and my pants off so Trevor and Eddie can make sure I don't have any sticky substances on me like some of these pitchers in the MLB mm. because for some reason now we're cracking down on these guys and making the game even more of a mockery, which we'll get to, I'm sure, later on in this show. But I want to start here in the local region of things with the Kansas City Chiefs like we try to each and every week, even though it is the summertime and there's very few things to really talk about. Unfortunately, in this time of year when guys – go to mini camps and go to OTAs, and then they have this little break in between that and actual training camp in the regular season that shortly follows afterwards, there's always this idle time that some of these players get. And unfortunately, we see a lot of times in each and every offseason, there are players from all different ages and all different experience levels that have slip-ups or have mess-ups. Well, unfortunately, that befell one Kansas City Chiefs member by the name of Frank Clark. In case any of you had missed it, last Sunday, Frank Clark, defensive end for the Kansas City Chiefs, was pulled over by, for a routine uh, stop by a police officer in the L.A. area. And if anybody knows the specifics, I'm sure you all do. You can check it out on TMZ, CNN, Arrowhead Pride, everywhere. It's all over the place if you haven't read it already. But long story short, the, the police officer that pulled over Frank Clark, I believe it was for a, a missing license plate in the front of his car, um, noticed that he had a duffel bag in the front seat and it was open and it carried a submachine gun that they quickly had to confiscate and arrest Frank Clark for. Now, I'm not going to get into the side of this when it comes to whether people should have guns or what type of guns you should have. That's not what we're going to talk about because everyone's talking about that. I've addressed some of these things on Twitter that we've discussed many times throughout the group and throughout, like I said, on the Twitter side of things. So I'm not going to attack that tonight. I want to I want to address the football side of things when it comes to this Frank Clark situation, because I think it's pretty glaringly obvious how dumb this all was on Frank Clark's behalf. Um, not just the fact that this happened just this last weekend, but the fact that a little over 90 days ago, he had the exact same charge on him. Now, he hasn't been charged for either instance yet. Both are still under investigation. I expect that to drag out a little bit longer. But on the football side of this, I can't help but wonder 
what where the Chiefs are as an organization when it comes to this Frank Clark situation. Now, the Chiefs are – let's just go ahead and say it straight, guys. The Chiefs are a better team with Frank Clark. There is no question about that. He's a good player. Has he been what they expected him to be? No. Not to this point, at least. And at 28 years old, this is usually the time where most players are at their athletic peak. And, and we had high expectations that Frank Clark could maybe go out there and prove that he deserves to be on this team after 2021 because the Chiefs can technically get out of his contract after the 2021 season. They originally assigned him to a five-year, year, $104 million deal a couple of seasons ago. And again, I don't, I don't think that Frank Clark has lived up to the contract. But one thing we have to be absolutely honest and true about when it comes to the Frank Clark situation is the fact that he played a pivotal role in the Chiefs winning their first Super Bowl in 50 years. And we have to give him that respect. But also when it comes to the world of sports and the 24-hour news cycles that we live in and we exist in, we also know that it's a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately type of ordeal that we do exist in. And unfortunately for Frank Clark, he didn't have the optics going into this offseason and going into the next season with a lot of confidence from Chiefs fans. So you would imagine that on the, the social media side of things especially – it was very it was very easy for a lot of Chiefs fans to detach themselves from Frank Clark as the player and as the person. And I'll give you my personal thoughts and opinions on this real quick. I I'm okay with the Chiefs moving on with Frank Clark after the season, regardless of how he plays. Because I do believe that although Frank Clark has played a pivotal role in them getting to where they ended up being in 2019 and where I think they will they could ultimately be this season again for a third consecutive year, I do think the Chiefs can replace him. Especially with, again, the optics attached to everything that is going on. And if we know anything about the Chiefs organization, they do not like negative attention. We saw, and, 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 and I don't want to I don't want to get into it, but we can definitely get into it if we need to. We've seen the Chiefs move on from players that were, were key contributors for much less. We can get into the Marcus Peters situation. We can talk about what Marcus Peters did or didn't do and why the Chiefs needed to part away with him and how they basically traded him away for essentially nothing at that time. We can talk about Kareem Hunt and whether you feel a certain way about that situation or not. The facts are, guys, the Chiefs have been have, have made sure that they knew they did their back studies, they did their research, and when they felt that it was the right time to part ways with the player, regardless if it was the popular decision or not, they made that decision and they stuck by it. So I'm not going to sit here and be the guy that tells you that I think the Chiefs are going to part ways with Frank Clark this offseason, but I definitely think this could put the death nail in Frank Clark's duration as a Chief and his tenure as a Chief after this season, regardless of how he plays. Now, how the Chiefs go about moving on from Frank Clark, whether they try to trade him this next offseason after this upcoming year or not, that's going to be something we're going to have to discuss and wait for as that time goes on. But I will tell you guys, the legal side of this is very troubling. Now, I've talked to a couple lawyers that I know personally about this situation. At first, it didn't really seem that there was going to be a lot of, of potential when it comes to Frank Clark you know, doing serious jail time, being away from the team. There, at first, it seemed like this could be a very moderate situation because of the way the, the FBI was really going about it. But as we've learned and as we've studied further and further, according to what I've heard and what I've seen from the people I trust, it's going to really come down to how hard they really want to come down on Frank Clark. And they can really come down on him. Because as it currently stands, if they really want to go after him for the technicalities of the gun in a strict gun state like California, he could do serious time, which means obviously he won't be a chief. Now, my scenario, what I think, and I'm going to get your thoughts on this, term, I'm going to get you right after this. 
What I think ultimately is going to take place when it comes to Frank Clark, I think he's going to miss a long time in this season. I think it's going to be at at the minimum four games. I think he's going to miss the first four games at the minimum. But realistically, it's probably going to be six. I think he's going to miss about a third of the season. And that really does suck. Biggest reason why on the football side of things, which is what we are going to focus on tonight, is the fact that the first five weeks of the season are the most pivotal games of the season for the Chiefs. They face four playoff teams from last season Shoot, in the first month and change. Yeah. yeah. So uh, if any, if, if there was any portion of the season the Chiefs really needed Frank Clark, it would be the first segment of the season. Now, I will say this. We have seen the Chiefs, even in the year they won the Super Bowl, they missed Patrick Mahomes for multiple games. They went one and one. They they lost Tyreek Hill for a number of games. They had a winning record without him. I think they went four and two, if I'm not mistaken. They've had winning records without Mitchell Schwartz. They went 9-1 and one without Mitchell Schwartz last season. And he was our best offensive lineman. So the Chiefs have been able to overcome things. So all in all, I do believe the Chiefs are going to be just fine if they do lose Frank Clark for any duration of time this season. But it is troubling because of the fact that, one, this is now multiple accounts and such a short time for Frank Clark as an individual that you have to think that the Chiefs are thinking about this in a way that I, I don't see how they convince themselves. And I wish I was a fly in the room, man, I swear – to, to hear them justify keeping him for long periods of time because we know something about Andy Reid on the field. It's about trust. That's why Le'Veon Bell and that whole situation went to shit because they didn't trust him on the field. Same with LeSean McCoy. Same with several other players. When you lose Andy Reid's trust, you're done. You're on the bench. Same with, I believe, Brett Veach. If he doesn't trust that you're going to take care of things on and off the field, I think that there's a very, very, a very solid chance they move on from you. And I know that Brett Veach has a ton of trust in Frank Clark because he traded away a first round pick in 20 after the 2018 season in order to get Frank Clark. So they're really putting a lot of their future endeavors into Frank Clark and the and the, and the belief that he can become a legitimate number one defensive end pass rusher. And that hasn't happened. So I think with all that considered, guys, I think we're looking at the Chiefs moving on from Frank Clark after this season. I think Frank Clark's going to miss a lot of the season. And I just I don't see the positives are going to come from this for either Frank Clark as an individual and Frank Clark as the player, especially moving forward, because he's still got football left in him, a lot of football left in him. I'm sure he's going to want to showcase for the next team that he can ultimately play for. And I don't think he's going to get a lot of opportunities to do so this year. Yeah, I mean, we I think we even discussed, I mean, we were already talking about for this being Frank Clark's final season in Kansas City before all this news came out about the gun um, scenario. I just, I don't know, man. This is just so, this is some childish stuff, man. Sometimes, you know, you just can't, certain people's personalities just, certain bad traits just continue to stick with them no matter you know what they do with their life whether they improve it upon it in certain areas they still are falling short in certain areas of their life i just don't understand what the point is driving around with a, a, a an automatic or semi, even a semi-automatic weapon illegal weapon just to be having it around in your in your car especially when you've already had one you know uh prior before that issue with that before that so i just it's just, I'm so tired of the Chiefs continually having some kind of drama around this organization. It's just, it feels like one cloud clears up and then another one appears. And it's just, it's really, it's self-inflicted, first of all. I mean, this is Frank Clark just being a numbskull. And, you know, and I just, in California of all places too, outside of Chicago, you know, the most strict gun laws in this country, you know. So I just, knowing that and you're still going to take the risk, sticking out like a sore thumb, you know, with the way you look and the car you drive, you know, you, everyone knows you have some kind of clout. Everyone knows you as an NFL player for the most part, and then you're going to carry an automatic weapon around. It just doesn't. I don't understand why you can you can have a weapon, but like it's got to be a weapon to that extent. And yeah, as for me, man, it's just I, I it, it could be four to six games. 
It could be the whole season. We don't know what these charges are going to be. Um, he's a repeat offender, right? So they, they don't, they don't, they'll crack down on you a little more if this is a pre- repetitive thing, especially, especially in California right now, um, with the way things are out there, how strict they are on their policies and, and crack it down on that. I mean, I agree. I get it. Celebrities tend to find a way out of things. Money, money is everything. Um, so bail is going to be an issue. It just depends on what they charge him with and what they come down on, uh, what, you know, amount of time either they want him to serve. If he does serve any time, which not likely with him being who he is and having money and everything, but at the same time, it's a distraction, man. No matter what, what way you look about, look at it, it's a distraction for this team. It's a distraction for this young guys coming up on this defense that we, we need the veterans in that locker room to be level headed. Yet he's acting like the rookie out here. It's fucking embarrassing, man. This is not what we need heading into this new season. This is not what we need heading into OTAs. We have young guys in the deep. We just drafted a linebacker. You know, we have Willie Gay. We have these other young cats that are trying to develop and become who they are. Shit, Willie Gay might be taking Frank Clark's spot if that's the case. And if he wants to act more like a grown man than, than Frank Clark, and I love Frank Clark, man. I was just talking about a couple podcasts ago about how I think he might have his best year as a chief because, with, you know, with Chris Jones being moved to the outside, and that's going to create more opportunities, double teams on that, that edge with Chris Jones and giving him more opportunity to get more collect more sacks. I was expecting a big year from Frank Clark, but I don't, I don't know, man. At this point, it depends on how he how he approaches it, and how upfront he is with with Andy Reid, and, and and like you said, you know, trust, and you know, if he's if he starts getting on that bullshit and starts lying about stuff, and Andy Reid and and and, and Beach, you know, find out details are false that he was giving them, we all know how that works, you know. So, well, because if you add to that, I mean, again, I, I want to stick on the football side of this as much as possible, course, but I mean, but it, there is there are the cliff notes of it also is the fact that he was claiming that the gun belonged to one of his security members. And the confusion on that is okay. Then why doesn't your security member have that gun? I, I, there's like I said, I feel like it's we his we vehicle, know so man. much less about the situation than we actually know. Like we we don't really know a lot other than he was arrested sure. for having time, the gun in his car. Yes, exactly. That's that's the within problem. ninety that's the problem days. I have it. This is not the first time. It this makes is some rare yeah. occurrence. This is the second time in three months. Yeah. In, in California, you know, man, you you know the risk that you're taking as an NFL player with championship aspirations. And, and the vital role that you play for our defense here in Kansas City, how important you are, and the money that we've fucking given you here to be here and be that guy, and you're going to take that yeah. risk? That's irresponsible and, and, to me, and man. Be, and that be, shows how much he cares about us as fans. Yeah. I, granted, I know we're low on the totem pole for him because it's his life, and I get it. I support that. But, man, dude, like we we are the ones that help pay – you know, for you guys to be, you know, out there and do your thing. Like fans are a massive part of the income of the league and, you know, why these guys get paid the way they get paid. Just- well, let's be honest real quick. I mean, let's be honest though. If we're going to be real here, if you're going to have that kind of weapon in your car mm. and you're going to have that, that attachment of previous, you know, charges and things of that, and that, that nature that they're still investigating, yeah. wouldn't you want to make sure that you have all your bases covered to where you have the license plate, knowing the state you're in and how they have to have license plates in the front and back? Like, wouldn't you want to be a little smarter to make sure that you're self, not going to get pulled not over? not self-aware at all. And like, to <laughs> me, man, like if you, if you have to, if you're at a point in your life where you feel like you're obligated, whether you or your security guys to have to carry automatic weapons, what are you up to? That's my question. Like, what are you up to? Like, what if you feel like you got it, you can't just carry around a couple, you know, handguns or whatever. You got to be strapped with some illegal guns. Like, that's there's something going on that extra that I just I feel like is some strange things. The issue I have is with, with I was reading some of the fans' responses to that to that incident. They're like, uh, I got like what happened to the Vikings uh, rookie uh, that got shot four times or whatever. Uh, obviously, no, nothing major on that, but he did get shot. Uh, they were like, well, 
see what happened to him. He's like, that's why uh, NFL players have to like pack heat, you know, like what they call it. A lot of these I'm guys like, are getting themselves into situations they shouldn't. But I'm like, know. what? What are you out there doing right. that you need that kind of weapon? What? Why do you need that kind of? You don't, you, don't, said, you, you don't need you that kind of protection just because you're in a You have player. money. I get it, but. If Frank Clark has money where he can hire a security team to kind of help him, escort him uh, here and there. You know, he wants to be out in the streets of L.A. Have yeah. a security team right behind you, man. Let them drive behind you. Have them carry the gun. You know, let them do that thing for you. Just you cruising with your family or whatnot. Yeah. Do, I, do you. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to yeah. own a gun – Go about it the right way. Like Great. I know, I understand we're missing a lot of information here, so I'm not gonna like try to like over overtly cast my judgment on this situation because there's a lot of information that we don't have that could be vital details that but, would clear a lot of this yeah, up for us. Like, like but, he said, it, it belonged to one of his security guys, right? Yeah. Why do you have it? In, why do you have it in your car, knowing that you already had? Uh, some issues. With he should have been the last have, one to have that gun in his yes, car. Yes, one hundred percent agree. And that's that's where I want to. Uh, uh, your point or your your stance on this, Eddie. I mean, how do you see this season playing out for Frank Clark as an individual? Do you expect? Because I, I think I think we all have to agree here at the table that he's going to be suspended. I was he, 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 he's he's going to be. He's, he has to be suspended. Just, how long do you think he'll be suspended? I, I can see two to four games. Okay. That, that's that's yeah. what I see. I don't see anything major like that. But the, but the, I think the NFL has to make an example of it. I think the NFL has to make that kind of like the Ezekiel Elliott. They had to make uh, they had to make that uh, yeah. that example so it doesn't happen again. You know what I mean? So we're gonna give Ezekiel Elliott four four games. You're like holy fuck a, a, a superstar pretty yeah. much giving him four games for some. Uh, I, was he uh, he flashed some girls' tits or some shit like mm-hmm. that? Right? He pulled his shirt up. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So like if that gets you four games, just imagine. You know what I mean? Like he. As an NFL player, and this is what this is what I like. I tell Lance all the time, like when it comes to like weed, when it comes to like stuff like that. I get it; mm-hmm. it's legal in California. I get, I get you can do it, all that. But when you go out of the, to another state and you carry weed where it's illegal, like come on, like you gotta have some common sense. I look at it this way: like if you are so so self aware enough to know that you need security guards around you. Be self-aware enough to know that you can't carry certain guns in California, in California or exactly. anywhere. You cannot just walk I'm around sure, with automatic I'm sure. weapons. Yeah, I'm sure if you hire a yeah, I'm sure like, if you hire a security team, they're gonna. Yeah, well, just, back in back in 2009, I don't know if you guys remember this, but back when uh, Marshawn Lynch was playing with the Bills, uh, he got suspended three games for something that was similar. Uh, he was actually in LA as well. Uh, he was arrested near L.A. Uh, on February 11, 2009 and pleaded guilty to a misdemeanor gun charge. Mm-hmm. Uh, in searching a parked car carrying Lynch, Culver City Police found a 9mm semi-automatic handgun inside a backpack in the trunk. So he got three games for, for one for one situation. For one. Frank Clark has two within three months yeah. of him. So I, I, I have to imagine that the fact that there are two multiple charges yeah. here that he will get charged for – I have to imagine it's going to probably be double that. That's why I think it's going to be six. But then you got to think about it. We're only talking the NFL perspective. We're only talking football size. We're not talking about what California is going to do. California can come down and say you're getting two years and and one year probation. And there's nothing that anybody can really do. Exactly. Like he needs to hire a great fucking lawyer. Same year, calendar year, bro. But three months. Alex Spiro. Three months. According to reports, Alex Spiro is the one that's going to be representing uh, Frank uh, throughout this. Alex Spiro has a pretty pristine reputation. I would imagine that he. I, I'm look. What I'm doing is this, and then I, I've posted this on the Spoken. I've posted this on my personal uh, uh, Twitter account at Lance the Spoken. I 
and prepared for Frank Clark being a chief this season. I am anticipating Frank Clark will be a, a chief this season. But because of the reputation of the Chiefs and because of what Eddie just alluded to, L.A. and California and how strict they are with these gun laws and how we've seen in the past them come down on folks, I am not ruling out any scenario where Frank Clark isn't a chief for those very factors. And honestly, like I said, guys, I want to bring it back around to the chief side of things. This is a franchise that does not fuck around with this stuff. Yeah. Now, granted, we will, we will all admit here that – it comes with it comes with the the territory when you're a franchise that is uh, represented by a head coach like Andy Reid who is known for what giving second chances. So you're going to have that risk constantly relaying. And I think honestly, Trevor, to your point when you said earlier about I'm sick of the drama on these off season, This is kind of the risk you take when you have a coach that gives guys second chances. And I think Frank Clark is going to get his second chance. The problem is we don't even know if the Chiefs knew about the first instance. Yeah. We have not heard. We have not. We have not gotten any confirmation from the Chiefs. They're extremely quiet in all of this. Hard to believe they didn't know that, but. And we, we can speculate if, on that, but we don't know. That's Frank, the crazy yeah, thing about this. If Frank this. Clark was true for from the beginning, I'm sure the Chiefs would have known about that first instance. And I think this could play into it because, guys, okay, I'm not going to get into the Kareem Hunt situation. I have my opinions on it, and I feel like there are some facts here that a lot of people overlook and just assume a lot of other things. But the reason the Chiefs cut Kareem Hunt wasn't because of what was inside the video. Hmm. They cut him because he lied. And we've talked about this on the show. We've agnosium. We've talked about this. Yeah. They cut him because he lied to them. Now, I'm not sitting here saying I'm going off of any information here, but what if Frank Clark did not tell the Chiefs about that first instance and then they just found out about it? Like, that is a very possible scenario. More than likely, you're right. Offense. Yeah, more than likely, you're right, Trevor, that they did know about it, but that raises another question. Mm-hmm. Where was this information when it happened? Because before Sam McDowell or Sam Dowell, whatever his name is from the Kansas City Star, before he even wrote this out, nobody knew. Mm-hmm. Nobody knew about the March instance. Like situation. I said, like I said, it's, just, it's one dark cloud after another. With even with you know with Britt Reed's situation going on, and that just getting out of the way, and now Frank Clark's situation. It's like, God damn, dude, can we have a clear sky heading into OTAs? That's all. Oh, is that too much to ask? Like Frank Clark's got to really go do this right now. But as far as football goes, I think we'll like. I agree with you. I think we will be okay with or without with or without uh, Frank Clark in the first few handful of games. Granted, those are some tough games right off the bat, but um. But I think I think I think that I just think that football wise, I think we have uh, some young guys that are going to come up, and I think with with putting Chris Jones, but I think that might stifle the idea of putting Chris Jones on the edge a little bit. I think that might push Chris Jones back and playing more in the middle, predominantly where he's been at his normal position, because I think they were wanting to have that. That's interesting because I think it might do the opposite. You think so? Because I, the reason that you, you now you have slim pickings. Let's say let's say Frank Clark's out for the season. Hmm. Uh, what other choices do the Chiefs really have other than because Chris Jones has already been anticipating usage on the outsides? I would imagine that that would go up. It's like it's like Kawhi Leonard going out in the series. You know that Paul George is going to have to uptick on the on the scoring an- yeah. aspect of thing. I would imagine that Chris Jones is going to fall right into place. Yeah. And now it is a system thing. Spags mm-hmm. has a on system. How we yeah. Attack it. And then it depends on how, you know, a couple of the young guys we have in the OTAs, how they perform, how they're looking, you know, how Willie Gay is doing. If, if they're confident with Willie Gay being that guy on the edge. You know, maybe he could be on the edge a little bit more than normal, but who who knows, man? But I mean, for the most part, I would love to have Frank Clark playing. You know, he's going to be extremely motivated to make up for the, the idiocracy that he's created for himself. So, yeah, high hopes, man. Now, there's another uh, story that came out of Kansas City this week that's a lot more uplifting, uh, well, at least in my eyes. Um, it's it's pretty controversial, not in the same sense as the Frank Clark situation. Obviously, uh, there's no crimes committed in this story, but we all know that. 
the Chiefs have some generals, man. Like we we know that the Patrick Mahomes is obviously the face of the team. We know that he's the best player in the world. We know that he obviously is vocal about a lot of things. Tyron Matthew, we all know how he is, man. He's a very vocal, boisterous character. We know Chris Jones is the same way. But I, I feel that the most charismatic of all of them is Travis Kelsey. Um, he's one of the longest tenured Chiefs. If, if I'm not mistaken, he might be the, the longest tenured Chief on the team right now as it stands. He, he got drafted in 2013. So unless I'm missing somebody completely, Colquitt's gone, Tom Bahali's gone, uh, Justin Houston's gone. Uh, so yeah, I think uh, yeah. Eric Fisher's gone. Like there's some I guys. The, I think the second's Chris Jones. He might. I, I'd have to dive into that. But the, the, <laughs> yeah, the fact remains that, that, that Travis Kelsey really is like that ultimate representation of ve- veterans on this Chiefs team, and mm. um, he said something that was really interesting this week. So. Uh, appearing on the Sirius XM interview on Tuesday, uh, Kansas City Chiefs tight end, uh, Travis Kelsey put it bluntly, if the Chiefs aren't winning championships, they're failing. This is his quote. I took a note from Chicago Bulls, from the Chicago Bulls. When they were winning their championships and had their run, I don't mean a thing if you ain't, it don't mean a thing if you ain't got the ring, baby. He laughed. All those accolades and all that stuff might be cool when I'm sitting on the couch watching the young guys chase the record. But right now, none of that really means anything. Last year was a failure to me, to be honest. That's just what I have in my heart, the type of player I am, man. If we're not going to out there, if we're not going out there winning Super Bowls, then the season isn't a success, end quote. Now, that, believe it or not, (laughs) anybody that's on Chiefs Twitter, anybody that follows Chiefs Twitter at all knows that caused a stir. Now, I, I don't think it made as big of a stir because of the whole Frank Clark situation that's been playing itself out in front of our eyes. <coughs> Excuse me. But I do want to address this one because I've seen a lot of people upset and even, even some local hosts, radio hosts that have been disagreeing with Travis that are outwardly stating that they don't think that it was a failure last season because of the fact that if you're getting to the AFC Championship, winning an AFC Championship, getting to a Super Bowl, you're tell it, the player. it's not it's not a – it's not a it's not a lost season. Now I will say this on on that side, I get where people are coming from for a couple of reasons. One, one, hold on, just one real quick. the The biggest reason is because of the lack of success that the Chiefs have had. So I understand why that mindset is still a thing in Kansas City. But why I am so strongly in the corner of what Travis Kelsey is saying is because of everything that we have been saying since I can remember. I remember I was doing YouTube videos back in 2012 and 2013, and I was vehemently pushing towards the idea of the Chiefs going and drafting and developing a franchise quarterback. Why? Because in the NFL, especially in this generation, that gives you the best chance of winning and winning Super Bowls. And that is something that we had not had for generations here in Kansas City. Now that Patrick Mahomes is here, now that the guys like Travis Kelsey are here, that has changed. A new standard in Kansas City has emerged. It's no longer, man, let's go, ten, let's get 10 wins, let's get in the playoffs, and let's just see what happens. No, now it's, hey, how many Super Bowls in a row can the Chiefs get to? So the standard is different here in Kansas City. So what Travis is saying is what all of us actually believe, if we're being honest here. Because what do we all want here in Kansas City on an annual basis? Super Bowls, obviously, just like any other fan base of the other 31 teams in the NFL. Everybody wants to see their their team win the Super Bowl. But unlike most of those other 31 uh, franchises and fan bases, we actually know that this team here in Kansas City can win the Super Bowl and could continue to win Super Bowls as the next dynasty in, in its way in Kansas City here for the NFL. So... I, I don't really understand why, when you consider all that, it's such a big problem for people to feel that way. If anything, I like the fact that Travis Kelsey is looking at it and going, man, even a season as great as it was, we are now getting to a place where we're getting used to it. 
And that should be the standard here and the mindset here amongst fans because if a player's feeling that way, we should follow suit. Now, I'm not saying you can't feel your own way that you want to or you have your own opinion on it. If you feel in yourself that was a successful season, that's fine because in all reality, it's one of the most successful seasons in the history of the Chiefs. It is. They've been to three Super Bowls or four Super Bowls in their history. Four. And that was one of them last season. So you would think in the naked eye, oh, that's a, that's a great season. You got a banner. You got the AFC Championship. It's all great. But Travis Kelsey is, is interpreting what we all want, which is, is Super Bowl success. Had they won last season, none of us are sitting here going, you know, it's great we won the Super Bowl, but, man, if we, we just got there, so that was great. No, we're all sitting here going, two times, baby, back-to-back champs, motherfucker. Like, we're sitting here taunting the title. So you can't taunt the title if that isn't the end goal, if that isn't what actually represents true and genuine success. So what Travis Kelsey said is 100% not only the truth, but how we should all really feel and how we should all look at it, not just from last season, but this season and moving forward until the Chiefs are no longer that monster, that juggernaut that they are here in the AFC. Because as I proposed, and I've asked, and I will continue to ask until the season gets here, until anybody can pitch to me, any team in the AFC that can even stand in the way of the Chiefs of getting to another Super Bowl, I'm going to continue to pencil them there. Yeah, what's been, what has been the expectation of Kansas City since 2018? Super Bowl. Super Bowls, right? So what, what is failure? Failure is when you don't meet the expectations. Yep. Did we meet the expectation last year? No, we failed. We got to the, we got to the opportunity to, to meet that expectation, but we failed. So anything outside of winning a Super Bowl is a failure in the, in the eyes of fans that see it that way, the same way Travis Kelsey does. I mean, I'm not going to sit here and be the guy that, that armchair quarterbacks t- telling a player what they should and should not feel, and they're the ones that they're performing it on a daily, daily basis. And that's not going to be me. I'm not going to do that. Travis Kelsey is what, outside of Patrick Mahomes, the most vital piece in this offense in my mind, the most consistent piece of this offense, one of the consistent and the most consistent offensive weapon in the NFL in my mind on a weekly basis, and it's proven. Um, so I think he has a right to say what he feels and how he believes and how he. And I mean, if anything, why would anyone in this city co or host of a radio show, your average fan, casual fan, why would you be? Why would you have a problem? With, that should be the expectation. That should be what you want coming out of the mouths of your players. Would you rather him be doubtful and like, oh yeah, you know, it was a we we you know we we was it was such a successful season we lost the Super Bowl. No, you want them to be upset that they lost the fucking Super Bowl. That's the point. And, and what Travis said is nothing crazy. It's cliche, if anything. We've heard do we've heard teams that we all know we're not gonna make the Super Bowl say that if they don't make the Super Bowl, win the Super Bowl that year, it's a, it's a failure. We've heard teams in all sports say that, but everyone's like, bro, you guys really think you're gonna win the Super Bowl. You guys really think you're going to win the NBA Finals? No, we know that, but there's still guys out there saying that it's going to be a failure if they don't either reach or accomplish, you know, getting a championship. So that that's the goal for most teams outside of like you know like the Jets or like whatever team bottom feeding teams you know that are trying to build. But most teams that know they're going to be competitive and be a contender, that is the goal. So what he said is nothing crazy. It's extremely cliche in my mind. I mean, it's believable in the city because that is the true expectation that's been here since 2018, since Pat has proven to be the best quarterback in this league. That's been the expectation. Right. So, I mean, I don't I don't understand what he said was controversial in any way. Um, I fully back what he said. I mean, we're, we're on. I mean, you don't you don't win the Super Bowl and bring back the exact same roster and some and improve upon and then do it the year after you made the Super Bowl. You don't you don't you don't do that. You don't bring the same squad back and go for it and, and quote, hashtag run it back without the expectation of winning the Super Bowl again. 
So it was a failure. That was the whole running back season. It was that was the whole goal, the whole mantra. Yeah, you don't everyone, have slogans like that unless that's chin. the goal, yeah. man. Yeah, I mean, injury, now what's injury. the new goal? What's the new? What's the new slogan? Right. Take it back. Take it back. I mean, okay, we're, we're going for a third trip here, and everyone's the expectation in this city is the third trip. So it's going to be a failure if we don't at least get back to it and win it. That's I mean, we're going to go take it back. That's the expectation here, and if we don't reach that expectation, it's a failure. I don't understand what's so crazy about what he said. But Trev, making it to the AFC Championship is a success. <laughs> yeah. But see, no, and you're trolling about that, and it's funny. No, it's true. But here's no, the thing. Yeah. In all seriousness, there are I've, I've literally heard and read that response from Chiefs fans. And That's I'm not years here. and years of a losing wow. mentality Thank in this you. city. This, you got to understand. you got to understand it. you got to understand. Because this is a city that has been loyal – to a fault to this team. We, I, we grew like, up we in it. It's like to consistently We're, win. Yeah, there's always excuses being made in that offset. Well, there's always next I, season. It's right. a, it's, so there's I, a mentality. They're, they're, they're not just going against their opponents every week. They're going against an old, age-old yeah. mentality that we have to break here in Kansas City. You have right. to understand that. So I'm not defending it. It's yeah. wrong. It's, it's outdated. Legit, that's it's a legitimate wrong. mindset. Well, yeah, yeah, what you just said is true. Like, uh, let, Let's use the USA uh, soccer uh, national team. They play the Gold Cup every two years, right? The goal for that Gold Cup, uh, the goal is to win the Gold Cup. That's the goal of every national team that plays that Gold Cup. It's all North America. They all face uh, each other to, to, to win that Gold Cup. Mm-hmm. The first thing they do when they lose the Gold Cup, all the players say, yeah, it was a failure. We, we failed and we missed a target. It's simple as that. If you lose the championship, you failed. Yeah. Yes, we made it this far. Yes, yeah, I get all the accolades or whatever and all that. Yeah, I'll, I'll had, like I'm happy about that. You know, yeah, what's been the, but, big, what's been the biggest what's, criticism of LeBron what, James' whole career? Yeah. What's the point of making it? What's the point of making it like losing it? And it's like, ah, oh, we're fine. You know, we we lost it. We were there though, but we lost. Like that mentality can't. You don't win that way, you, man. I, I guess it can come from fans. I, I guess because fans are not uh, physically in in the sport. I guess you can say in the NFL, like they they don't play in the NFL, yeah. so I don't get it. the perspective is completely it's, different. It's diff- it's, like it's coming from a like, like if it was coming from a fan, like uh, saying last season was a failure, and then the players like, well, like we we see a success because we made it back to it. No, but 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 no, but yeah. what I'm saying is like. You, you're you're hearing this from the player himself, yeah, like that was the that's, want that's who you want to hear yeah. it from. And I, you make a great point. I'm, I'm going to tell you why because uh, everything I just set up about Travis Kelsey being the longest tenured chief on this team currently, you got to understand these fans here in Kansas City, especially. I can't speak for other fan bases, but I can speak for this one that I grew up in over the last 30 years. They follow suit with these players and what they say. So I'll be honest with you guys. As, as impactful as this may have been to hear from Patrick Mahomes, who is the face of this team without question, right? You have to understand that I think the fact that it's it's Travis Kelsey saying it, I think it actually holds more weight because he's been here through all the shit. He's the vet. Yes, he's been here through the growing pains of the Andy Reid era. So him saying it with, with all the fans that he has and all the people that have watched him over the last nine, eight, nine years here in Kansas City, seeing him grow as a player and mature as a veteran and be a leader on a team that's won a title and has been to two, you saw, you see the way that this can change the mentality of a fan base. Our generation of Chiefs fans can say, you know what? I understand back in the 90s they were really good teams and they had great defenses and they got there to the playoffs a couple of times. They never had the quarterback. It's, those were fun days. Now we're in a time where it's like that's not enough. 
And it's okay to demand more from your franchise. That's why guys like Marty McDonald and Clay Windler, our producer, doing what they did in 2012 and this team went to absolute shit and demanding better and getting Scott Pioli the fuck out of Kansas City and bringing Andy Reid in, in, into Kansas City and Clark Hunt feeling the aggressiveness and the pressure to make something happen here in Kansas City is what will change that mentality because I'm telling you, since I was a little kid, it used to frustrate the hell out of me. There was times I hated being a Chiefs fan because of that mentality because people were so afraid. People were more afraid of this team being bad than never being great, and they were never great in my lifetime. They were always a really good team, solid team, hit rock bottom, enough was enough. We saw it change. So in all honesty, man, this should be the new mentality. What Travis Kelsey said should echo across Chiefs kingdom because that is the mentality you want to have if you want to see them be the next Cowboys of the 70s or the Steelers of the late 60s, early 70s. You want to be the 49ers of the 80s and 90s. You want to be the Patriots of the 2000s. That's what you got to do is demand better. I'm just gonna bring up uh, the the Patrick Mahomes a, f- a few weeks ago. He he mentioned uh, he wanted to go. I, I believe twenty and zero, mm-hmm. and all Chiefs Kingdom mm-hmm. praised him for saying that. Right. That's a great and point. They they defended that's him the again, and other fan, and other yeah. fan bases attacked him. Yeah, it was like like that's a joke. And Chiefs fans were quick to defend Patrick Mahomes. What's the difference between Patrick Mahomes? Mentality, which is the same as Travis Kelsey, if you look at the same message, because it's the same message. Just the wording. It's just the wording. It's just the wording. Like, what's different from that to what Travis Kelsey said? Literally nothing. It's the same message, just with a different, yeah, different wording. Like, it's. I don't understand why. I, I'm honestly not in it as I'm not on Twitter like that. I know you guys are more on Twitter, and you see that's where a lot of these troubled people that have problems with everything and want to bitch about everything that's where a lot of them live and i get it um i just i don't see a lot of that i don't give out a lot of attention and that's just me personally because i'll get lost in the sauce i know if i do that i will definitely get lost in that so yeah i mean for me i just don't understand the the people that i rate or even have some kind of beef with what he said i mean like i said for me that's exact same mindset that i would have if i was travis kelsey or if i was one i mean we, we we this, we're, we're going for a third straight trip. We just had two back-to-back appearances in the Super Bowl. I mean, yes, we failed. Last year was a failure. No matter how you look, you fell short. You came the closest outside of winning it, outside of every other team. All those other teams failed because why? Because they didn't make the they didn't make the big game and they didn't they didn't even have a chance. We had a chance. We still lost the game. So that is a failure. No matter how you look at it, it was a, it was a successful to a, it was successful season to a degree, and we overcame some obstacles with injuries and such. But it was still a failure in the end. It was still a failure. You mean so? It's to me, it doesn't. Well, like the Bills of the nineties, the Bills, the Bills of the nineties went to four straight Super Bowls and lost all four. Crazy. If you're asking any real, like a genuinely, like like an honest thinking Bills fan that you know takes their fanhood and sits it aside and has an honest conversation with you, they would say they failed because they did. Yeah, it was a fun ride, but the good guy got killed again. What what do they want Travis Kelsey to come out and say? He's like, oh yeah, man, I hope we go ten and five next season. Like (laughs) that's kind of the same argument we talked about when it came to Patrick Mahomes. Like, what do you what do you what do you want Patrick to say? Yeah, I'm hoping we fuck around and get you know an 800 record, miss the playoffs, so it wakes us up even more. No, <laughs> like of course he wants to go 20 and 0. Who doesn't want to go 20 and 0? Yeah. So him saying it, like for for Travis Kelsey to have to even verbalize this stuff, it's like it should be a yeah, no shit type of argument. We should be sitting here talking about that as opposed yeah. to That's why well, I see it differently. No, no, man. I, I, again, if you do see it differently, fine. But you have to look at it like this. Is, is your expectations the Chiefs getting to the dance or winning the damn thing? Like, that's what you have to look at. Like, we, I understand, again, guys, we are in a city that is new to winning. The 2014 and 2015 Royals was a revolution here in Kansas City. We saw it literally 
speaking of, as a small business owner, former small business owner, how much that changed the market of Kansas City that the Royals were great and they what they do though. They didn't just get to a couple World Series. They won one of them. That changed the infrastructure infrastructure of Kansas City culture. We saw businesses come here. We saw developments in the inner city. We saw things change. Now they're going to have a new ballpark in 2030 in downtown KC. That doesn't happen if the Royals didn't have their little run in Kansas City. Now that the Chiefs are where they're at, the new standard has emerged. And now our expectations are you win Super Bowls or you fail. That is that is cut and dry. I'm glad you brought up the Royals, though. The- they went to the World Series and the players were like, "We failed." Yes, we failed. What? What, and what did they? What drove them? That fell. Exactly. And then next year, look at them. They fucking had the, one of the best records in in uh. Yeah, I think they won ninety five games. If I'm yeah. not mistaken. Yeah, I think they were right behind the uh, Dodgers. I think they were second to the Dodgers. If I'm not mistaken. Well, I mean, look at uh, not to like a Mets, cross, I think, cross yeah. sport reference, but look at I mean the, the cities that have had massive success in sports. L. A. For instance, with the Lakers. What happened? What was the, what was the chant when LeBron James first got there? You know, you better win a championship here, or you're a or failure. It's a, failed, yeah. it's a failure. What did LeBron James do? I know they had he had he got injured that first year. LeBron would call it a failure because he wasn't available, and that's been LeBron's biggest strength of his career. He's always been available. They failed this the year. Best ability he ability is availability, right? So that LeBron was a bust that year because he got hurt. Whatever. That very next season, what they do? They went and got a chip. You know what I mean? So like it, LeBron fulfilled his his, his role, and they would call that a success because he went and got the bat. The, mm-hmm. the you know the biggest goal you want is a championship, and he went and fulfilled that. So I'm saying that immediately LeBron James, one of the biggest icons in sports history, goes to a franchise in LA, and you don't get a pass, dude. The expectation is for you to be a champion, right? So I mean, that's that's the that, and that's kind of what we're becoming a city of champions here with having the best football player in the world on our team, Andy, Andy Reid being one of the greatest coaches of all time, us having multiple weapons that are some of the best in the league, the best tight end in the league, and all these. You know, we're, we're building a good defense here. We we just came off back to back appearance in the Super Bowl. We are a city of champions right now. We need to carry ourselves with that kind of mentality. Our players are doing it. The fans need to follow suit. Nobody praises the loser. We don't. We sit here and we we, we praise dynasties, right? right? We talk about, like you said, the Lakers, the Celtics, the Dodgers, the Yankees, the, the Patriots. Like these, those are the teams that get praised, not the team that finished in second place. Yeah. In order to have, in order to be a championship team, you have to have a championship mindset. I know that sounds like a cliche. But that is the truth because look at what the Chiefs rose above in 2019, man. Several injuries, all these key players out throughout the entire season, and they rose above it. I mean, they're down 24 to nothing against the Texans before the half is up. I think it was the first quarter, if I'm not mistaken. They had they had they came they came back from two different 10 point deficits against the Titans. They were down, what was it uh, uh, 27 to 17 in the in the fourth quarter against the uh, 49ers? Um, Shaggy's probably yelling at me right now because I probably had that story wrong. The problem, the point is, the Chiefs prevailed and became a success by overcoming those odds, man. That is what true success is, and that is the mentality that we in Kansas City need to attach ourselves to, and we just recently had that five, six years ago, like I said, with the Royals. Mm. Keep strong in that, guys, because the Chiefs aren't going anywhere anytime soon except to more Super Bowls, so the only way they're going to succeed is if they win said Super Bowls, and that's where we're going to leave it. We'd love to hear your guys' thoughts. Hit us up on Twitter at The Spoken Pod. I'm at Lance The Spoken. Trevor's at Trev's The Spoken. Eddie's at Eddie The Spoken, and you can join our Facebook group called The Spoken. There's a lot of Spokens in there. We're going to take a real quick break. We got to get back to our guy, Mr. Yo 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 Eddie, because the Eddie Hour is upon us. We'll get back to that after this. (laughs) 
Commandeer is Kansas City's alternative apparel brand. They make unique Kansas City-themed apparel and accessories with an emphasis on counterculture. They're nominated for two Best of KC 2019 awards in the Pitch Magazine and have plenty of designs for both sports fans and anyone else. Find them online at commandeerbrand.com or follow them at Commandeer on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Soft shirts, designed with an edge. at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number two. I am your host, Lance Twidwell. Here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell good. and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. And to go right back to our guy, Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo, 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 it is time for the Eddie Hour. So, Eddie, I know your ass has got some provocative questions for us tonight. So what is in the Eddie Hour tonight, my man? All right. Uh, first, uh, first question. Should the NFL do a lottery system to, uh, for the draft like the NBA? It's, it's going to be a little bit more difficult um, for the NFL just because I think that in that regard, the NFL is a little bit more set in their ways. I think they like the way their drafts go. Um, the problem is that the NFL, unlike the NBA, has a real bad tanking problem. The NBA did have a really bad tanking problem for years, but I think that they've kind of – I don't want to say they've gone away from it because teams still tank in the NBA, as we saw the Sixers do just of recent of the last few years. But I think the NFL has a much more – substantial problem. So I personally, I would love to see it. Do I think that the NFL is going to do it at least in the Goodell era? No, I don't. I I don't think they're going to do it. I don't want to be short-sighted, but just knowing the tendencies of the NFL, they, although are a a progressive uh, 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 league and they they are the ones that tend to lead the way a lot of times. I don't think this is going to be the one they, they, they go with at least not in the near future. So I'm going to say, no, it's not going to happen, but I would love to see it because I think it adds intrigue. And I think it's, I think it's just an overall better way, a better process of how to get teams in, into the pool. Because like you said, like this, the suspense of not knowing who's getting that first overall pick is great. Yeah. I would love to see, you know, six, seven different franchises out there sweating it, not knowing who's getting that, you know, the, the, the right lottery ball. I would love to see that. And I think, like I said, adds intrigue because you could suck all season and have no idea where you're going to land in the lottery of things. So I, I hope it happens. I just don't see it. Yeah, as, as influential as the NBA is, we're talking about the NFL here. The NFL is top dog. It's the shield. It's the, it's the, it's you know, it's the biggest of the big out there outside of, you know, the international sport that is soccer. Those are completely different entities themselves. But as far as in the U.S., in the Western culture, the NFL is top dog, and NBA is not going to influence NFL in my mind in that degree. I mean, it, but like I do agree, I think it would be great for the NFL to do that, to avoid teams tanking, because it tanking is so much more obvious in the NFL than it is in the NBA. Because, you know, you're, you're, there's the NBA or the NBA is so – the games, the flow of the games are just different, and teams go out there, and guys still play for pride in the NBA – Coaches make the final call on a lot of things. They can take guys in and out uh, and, and, you know, just straight up sit guys. In the NBA, it's way more obvious if you're just sitting your star players and not playing basketball. Yeah, I mean, look at the Eagles. It's di- yeah, right. That was, yes, yeah, that's what I'm saying. That whole debacle was embarrassing. I and mean, if, you, you, if you can avoid that and make a change to where there is a lottery system, I think that, I think all sports should do that. Just like I, I would, we would all love to see no, uh, no divisions, right? That'd be great to see this t- the teams with the best records make the pl- playoffs. Instead of, you know, you being in a shitty division and taking advantage of that and going 8-8 eight and, eight and being a playoff team. We hate that. I hate seeing that. I think the best teams, no matter what, should be in the, in the playoffs. And we all want to see things like that change. It's probably not going to happen. But, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, it would be cool to see the NFL do that just simply to avoid tanking. But, yeah, it's if it's if it's if, if it happens, it's not going to be for another 
a long while in my mind. All right. <laughs> this is a fun question for me. Are the Clippers better without Kawhi Leonard? No. But I will say this, and I've, I've been very adamant about this, and I'm going to stand strong on this. No matter how the rest of these playoffs go, because Kawhi Leonard is not going to play for the rest of these playoffs. They're, I know they're being very secretive about this, but he's got a serious, serious ACL injury. He's so had, bad. Yeah, it's been a problem. It could, it could be a tear. We don't know. They have not been very specific. They he's said it's a, knees, a, a, man. They, they call it a strain, a strain or a sprain, I believe, which means it is it is minor. It is a minor tear. So we don't know what's going to happen with Kawhi for not just the rest of these playoffs, but next season. And he has an opt-out clause that he can go with. He can opt out of L.A. as well if he wants to. And the thing is with minor tears – it's better to fully tear it than to minor tear right. it. Because they might be so, prolonging it. You're, yeah, you're not even prolonging it, but you're, you're at risk for tearing it completely all the way through the next time because it's yeah. only partially healing. And it takes part 8 to 12 tissue. months for that to heal fully. So, yeah. so um, no, they're not better without him because he's one of the best players in the NBA. I mean, he's a two-way great. He's, he's become a great offensive he's player. He's a great offensive player. He can shoot out the lights out in those mid-range jump shots. He's yeah. unbelievable. So, no, they're not better without him. But it's saying something, guys, that over the last three seasons, the last three NBA seasons, Kawhi Leonard's teams in the regular season are 31-17 and 17 without him. And in the playoffs this year, they're 3-2 and two without him. That's – those he's, those he's don't happen good, with been on good teams, man. Like that doesn't happen with, with LeBron James and Kevin Durant, James Harden. You lose those guys or Giannis, any of those dudes. Any of those dudes are out for that long that for forty eight regular season games. Your team isn't above a fourteen games above five hundred. That's just not how it is. This is why so Kawhi will never be the MVP. It, I know it pisses people off to say this, but you can be both an awesome player and overrated at the same time. Allen Iverson was an awesome player. He was exciting, fun to watch, pound for pound, a great player. Was overrated. There are players that are overrated in basketball. We can talk about this. We can maybe the worst roster we, ever. We can talk about this another time. The point is, is that Allen Iverson was a great player. He's a Hall of Famer. Quite literally, could very well end up being a Hall of Famer. Not right now. If he, he retired right now, he will not be. But he could. He. I can explain this again, guys. The point is. Kawhi Leonard has not ever been, not a single time in his career, a player that has more valuable than talent. He has tons of talent, but he's never had the equal amount of value. We've seen greats have equal amount of value to their own. Like even Michael Jordan. He's always been surrounded by great coaches and great teams. Michael Jordan. He's always had that. There's so many people who believe Michael Jordan is still the greatest player of all time. But when Michael Jordan retired the first time, the Bulls still went 55-27 and and got to the Eastern Conference Finals without him. So I'm not trying to sit here and say that because you're overrated, you suck. No. Listen to what I'm saying. You can be really, really good at what you do, but your team can still push forward without you. That tells you you're not as valuable as you are really good at what you do. It can be both. Yeah, I don't know about Kawhi being overrated. I mean, there's a slight degree of him being overrated, but it's not like he's been like a multiple MVP of the league and he's getting like more praise. Than People I think have he said he's the best player in the NBA I, at yeah, times. And we, no, I don't think anyone <laughs> who really, really took that serious. I think we've heard it from like, yeah, we've heard it from like Chuck and guys like that that just literally Colin are sl- slaves. Yeah, slaves to the moment. All those guys are. I mean, I love, I love Colin, but he's very. Very much a slave of the moment a lot of times. A lot of these talking heads are, you know, God bless them. But, yeah, I mean, I I respect Kawhi's game. He's a very old school style, and, and it's still he still finds ways to keep it. And he, and he learned from great. He, he was bred in one of the best franchises of all time. He came under pop and was able to work and, and develop underneath Tim Duncan and Tony Parker and Mono Ginobili and greats like that. I mean, when you come into the league on, on that good a footing – you're, you're set up for success. And I think he's been a great player since he's been here, but he has injuries, riddled, uh, injury riddled uh, career. He's had bad knees his entire career going back to college. You know, so I, yeah, I mean, this this situation is bad. It's bad for him because he's not getting any younger. 
and he's had these lingering things, you know. So I, the same, I feel the same way for Clay Thompson. Granted, he's a different type of player and doesn't depend on nearly as much on his athleticism as Kawhi does. But Kawhi's definitely evolved from um, a defensive-minded player to a far more offensive-minded player. And he's been great this postseason when he's been healthy. But again, like you said, the, the record shows when he's on and off the floor and the, how his teams perform without him because he's, they've always had success without him because he's always been a part of good teams, deep rosters, and great coaches. It is what it is. He's always had a championship coach, regardless if they won a championship in Toronto or not before him. That was already a championship caliber team that was in the fi- Eastern Conference Finals a year prior, right? So that was all. Those already a good team. He's always been a part of good players and, and Hall of Fame talent players and Hall of Fame caliber coaches in my mind that have already either won a championship with him or before him, right? So I, I, I love Kawhi Leonard. I love his game, and I respect him for what he is and what he brings to the court and his passion for the game and the art that he that is his game, but. Yeah, man, this is, it's it's looking pretty gloomy for his future as a, as a professional athlete. If I'm being honest, so. Oh, my bad. I was yeah. into the NBA game. <laughs> uh, but uh, sticking with the NBA, uh, I want to get your thoughts on the little feud that was happening yesterday on Twitter, and it still went on today. Uh, still probably going on today uh, between uh, KD and Scottie Pippen, and I know Scottie Pippen has been twitting today, so there's been a lot of. A lot of drama going on. Well, I mean, you, I don't know if you have the quote or not that, that initially started it. Scotty Pippen was asked a series of questions. He went on the record, and he talked about a lot of – he was basically talking about the difference in this generation the next the previous generation, which is a conversation I hate so, so much. But we can talk about that another time. Uh, but essentially, for anybody that doesn't know, the context of it was Scotty basically said that Kevin Durant – the reason why the Nets ultimately lost that series against the Bucks was because Kevin Durant doesn't play team basketball. He was trying to go shot for shot against the Bucks. That is 100% correct. You saw that. Even in overtime in that game seven, Kevin Durant went 0 for 6, did nothing, literally did nothing. Now, you could say he was gassed, which he was. He played a lot of minutes, but that isn't an excuse other great players get. I I don't know, LeBron James. And everyone's saying that Kevin Kevin Durant now wears the crown. Okay, well, you have to keep that same energy, and you have to to criticize him equally to what you have with LeBron James over the last decade plus. So Scotty was 100% right, and that is why, and we all know that Kevin Durant has bunny ears. He is an ultra-sensitive player, which is in his own right. He can person. feel how he wants to feel. Yeah, he's a very sensitive person. He's got 15 different burner accounts that has a reputation of its own. But Katie, Katie put his name on this, which I will respect. He went out and he clapped back to Scotty. The, the part that's hilarious about it, I'm sure Trevor's going to go on this one as well because Trevor's been speaking on this on, on the Spoken Podcast or Spoken Group, rather, on Facebook, is the fact that Kevin Durant made it personal. He went after Scottie Pippen as a player and started bringing up stuff that has nothing to do with, what first of all, what Scottie was saying, and second of all, has no real weight as to what the conversation was. Scottie was simply addressing the facts of what is current, which was the Nets losing in this, in this series against the Bucks. It's current. Bringing up Scotty's past and saying, weren't you the guy that did this and that, that has no bearing or weight of what Scottie's saying. You can be the biggest hypocrite in the world and make a good point. You can be a guy that never succeeded at anything and makes sense. You can be those things at the same time. Just like I talked about, you can be great and overeat at the same time. Scotty has made some really bad takes, but he can also have some good ones. Trust me, I know. I'm one of those guys. Yes, exactly. And so, have some respect. And and, and the biggest part of all this is that the reason why Scotty didn't do himself any favors on this either, because then when he started talking with Stephen A. Smith, which was a mistake in itself was when he said that LeBron James won a title without any help. That is 100% false. Right. And you know that Trevor it's and I are big-time LeBron guys. But that is 100% bullshit. 
LeBron James, the biggest shot of the series against the Warriors when they came back from 3-1 was what? Kyrie Irving sinking a shot that ultimately won that game. Yep. Now, that Ray Allen hitting the shot against the Spurs, those all played a factor in LeBron getting titles. Yep. So we, we're, we're, you're an idiot. Paxton, if you're going to sit here, you're going to sit here and say that LeBron won a title by himself. No, the hell he didn't. Was he the best player? Yes. But he needed help, just like every single superstar in the history of the NBA that has ever won a title. Scottie Pippen and Michael Jordan know this all too well. You have to have the role players. And LeBron got his role players. He won titles. So Scottie didn't do himself any favors by backpedaling into that horrific take. But that doesn't take away from the fact he made a valid point about what Kevin Durant deals with and has dealt with his entire career. Like I have posted and like I have said numerous times on the show, Kevin Durant hasn't won a single playoff series without a superstar teammate healthy. Zero. LeBron has won 12. That is the ultimate difference between the two. So Scottie is right, and and Katie knows it. That's why he's upset so much. That's why he is so mad and got personal with Scott. He started taking personal shots, calling him that guy Scott. He was going after him that way because he knows he's right. If Katie, if Katie knew that was bullshit, do you honestly think he's even going to give two fucks about it? Nope. No, even as sensitive would as he you, is. Would any of us expect LeBron James to respond to anything like that? No, but for one, LeBron James would have respect, and he's done nothing but show Scottie Pippen respect. He's had a lot of admiration for Scottie's game because a lot, of, in reality, a lot of LeBron's game is similar to Scottie's game in certain ways. So, I mean, first of all, I didn't like the, the disrespect that KD immediately attacked Scottie Pippen with. That's one of the greatest players of all time you're talking to and a six-time champion. So, first of all, back off on that a little bit and show some kind of respect. KD shows no respect to anybody. This is why no one respects KD because he stoops to everyone's level. If KD thinks he's up here somewhere and has to talk down to Scottie Pippen. Why are you going down at everybody's – why are you going to fucking Michael Rapport's level, bro? Why are you in Michael Rapport's DM using homophobic slurs and telling him to meet you up when you got everyone knows you're not going to? Right. Right? So this is this this is to me Nothing new. and to most people, this is no surprise to anyone that he's out here in his feelings once again, out there listening to probably hours, endless hours of Drake. He's super in his feelings, whatever. <laughs> you know what I mean? So like, for me, dude, like this is no surprise. Like I was very I was upset about it because one, I Scotty Pippen, I love Scotty Pippen growing up. I love his game. I love what he contributed to. Not the greatest analyst. But the dude was asked a series of questions, and he gave his answer, an analytical answer, and then a direct comparison to maybe the only guy who's done the most with less is consistent as LeBron James done. LeBron James set a new standard for superstars and what they're what they're capable of doing with the least amount of surrounding talent. No one's ever done more with the least amount of surrounding talent than LeBron. Granted, I yeah, he never won a championship without a star player next to him because Kyrie was a very big part of that. Right, so another guy's other bench role, Tristan Thompson with the rebounds, and other guys contributed for sure. J.R. Smith hitting some big shots, Ray Allen, so on, Chris Bosh, all these guys. He's had great teammates, Dwayne Wade, obviously. So I mean, this the whole the whole conversation was so just embarrassing in my mind. Like Katie is one of the greatest players we've ever seen on the hardwood, ever. One of the maybe the most talented scorer we've ever seen in this league for pound for pound and size and length, everything he has. And that dude is on that dude is having creating feuds that have that was the direction of the conversation was going a completely opposite way. He, he created his own extra context to make it a personal beat between him and Pippen. When Pippen was talking a comparison between KD and LeBron, and Pippen's not even comparing himself and his success in his career and his situations to KD, but KD wanted to make it a personal attack and make it about him and Pippen somehow. That just shows you how sensitive this man is, bro. This guy is so sensitive and so he lacks so much confidence. If only he was socially as confident as he is on the basketball court. If this guy was as confident he is in social settings or on social media as he is on 
on the basketball court, this guy is missing so many. He's a great scorer on on the on the basketball court, man. But when outside of that, this guy is shooting percentage is very very low. So I just to me, it's no surprise that this this kind con- this conversation even occurred. But KD couldn't even keep it within the context as he immediately goes into his feelings and wants to attack anybody that has an opposing opinion or 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 you know uh, maybe a, cr- a critical opinion of KD's game. He the dude cannot take criticism. That's that's been the biggest flaw of his entire career, and that's why he gets in his own head. That's why he fails when he. That's why he hasn't won a series without another superstar player. He's put on nothing but great teams. I mean, you know what I mean. So, it, uh, I I love KD and respect KD's game, and I, I hate him in college, but I've always respected his game, no matter what, no matter how I felt about him personally. But the guy is a nutcase, dude. I I've never seen such a prima donna superstar player off the off the court. I don't think I've ever seen it. Even MJ, as much, much as things he did off the court, Kobe, as much as things that went on the court, drama-wise, I don't think I've seen anyone create their own, their own drama as much as I've seen from Katie. Aaron Rodgers cons- flirts with it, but yeah. But what am I going to say on a consistent basis yeah. and making and, go, and literally going in attacking, Kyrie Irving, attacking other players or other? But I mean, the thing is, the disrespect though. Yeah. People want to glorify MJ. He would never go at MJ like that. Pippen has six rings too, though. He was damn near just as big as a contributor to that than MJ was. Yep. So let's let's pump the brakes here, man, and have some kind of respect. Lest we forget Pippen. that in their six championship runs, and their six championship runs, Scottie Pippen led those Bulls teams in rebounds, assists, and steals. Right, we want to talk about Clout. Who 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 has one of the the biggest one of the biggest uh, uh, pedestals they can sit on to critique curtain players is Scottie Pippen. And when, when Pippen moved on from the Bulls, went to the Rockets, they or the the uh, I'm sorry, the Blazers mm-hmm. in 2000, Eastern they got Conference to the Western Conference, Western Conference, Western Conference Finals against yeah. the, the Lakers. I believe, I believe that series won seven games. So you can make the case that Scottie Pippen actually had a better was, overall career he, yeah, as far as success than even Michael Jordan double. because yeah. Michael Jordan didn't do anything before Pippen and after Pippen. Yeah, Pippen bit, continued yeah. to succeed without Michael, Michael Jordan. Jordan. Yeah, so I, that, I had a big problem with that whole entire thing, for sure. I see that. <laughs> <laughs> All right, moving into the NFL, I just got two more questions for you guys. Uh, the first one. Uh, so I don't know if you guys seen this, but um, the NFL has approved al- alternate helmets today for, <coughs> for teams wearing throwback uniforms starting in 2022. Uh, mm. This opens a door. Uh, I'm reading Adam Schefter, my bad. I'm reading Adam Schefter. I was like, this opens a door uh, – to the defending world champion Bucks wearing the old white helmets with the orange yeah. swashbuckling Buccaneers as early as, early as 2022. So I'm going to get your thoughts on that. What do you guys think about like the NFL letting teams bring bring those retro, I guess, retro helmets to it's the It's about NFL? damn time. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like this is, this is where the NBA once again gets it right. They let their teams do a lot of retro styles, bring back some cool stuff because it's a nostalgia thing for us as kids. You know, we watch, remember watching these teams, watching those old jerseys come back. The NFL should have been doing this all along. Now, it sucks for us here in Kansas City because we don't really have it other than the Dallas Texans, you know, start, which is cool. And it's almost like it's meant to be because Patrick Mahomes being from Texas, went to Texas Tech, plays for the formerly known as Dallas Texans type of thing. It's kind of like it was meant to be. But um, what's crazy is that I I can't believe that we're just now, like, getting back that because there are some badass retro jerseys. Like, the cream sickles for the Bucks might be the GOAT when it comes to the greatest retro jersey. Yeah, the old Bruce Bruce the Buccaneer. Like, that's a cool – like, this this only adds, like, that extra intrigue to the league, which we already know is the king. But to see that, like, come back in full circle, it's just enjoyable, man. It's really cool to see it. And I I, I heard a guy from 610 today uh, actually break this down. I think it was Alex Gold. I'm going to give him credit for this one. I, I, like, I like what he brought up, and I actually agree 100%. The Chiefs, since they don't have that old retro style, I'd like to see them implement a new one. 
where you have the matte finish on the on the helmet where it's mm. red still, but it's it has that shiny. matte finish. It's not, it's not shiny. It has like that solid color, and then it has that like 3D feeling to it. It's almost like that rubber outside of the arrowhead where it kind of pops out of the helmet a little bit. It has that like popping look to it where that matte finish. That would be incredible if they did something like that. Just a little tweak to what the Chiefs have had over the last three or four decades. I would definitely like to see that because, like I said, they don't really have it. They just have different color schemes they go with. There's no retro to it, really. So that's the only thing I would like to see here in Kansas City. Yeah, is it just is it just throwback and retro jerseys, or is there alternate too? Alternate. It's alternate. It's alternate. Yeah, alternate. yeah. See, uh, I think the Chiefs could come up with a cool alternate. I'm not too worried. That's what I'm saying. They don't have great throwbacks here in Kansas City. I'm sorry, like Royals throwbacks are great. The powder blue ones are epic, but. As far as Chiefs all, uh, throwback jerseys, yeah, I mean, you got the, the Texans, that's it. But like, I think like a cool, like maybe like a black alternate, a black and red alternate jersey would be dope We've as all been waiting for that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I feel like something like, I think the Chiefs are like, I love when the Chiefs are red on red. Yeah. Color rush, red on red is my favorite. Um, but, uh, and I think Travis Kelsey would agree because he's always on it with the color rush. But yeah, I think um, I think a cool, like dark color or like a gray alternate or something, or maybe even a... A color rush yellow, like a gold, would be cool too. But uh, yeah, I mean, that's I would be looking more forward to for our my team personally, a cool like alternate color rush type of jersey. Would be so cool, I'll, so. I'll read the the quote from from Schefter. Adam Schefter. NFL approved alternate helmets today for teams wearing throwback uniforms starting in 2022. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's it, a quote. It, it, if anybody's ever known me in the past decade or, plus, or so, I like the idea of rebranding the Chiefs to for Patrick Mahomes. I would like the idea of like Patrick Mahomes kind of being the catalyst for a rebranding of of the Chiefs kingdom. You know what I mean? Like I feel like a new, not necessarily a new logo and have to necessarily have a new logo, but like something new and fresh for this Mahomes era to kind of define and kind of be a part of this era for Mahomes. I feel like they should mold to him and like his liking. I feel like that'd be a cool way to go about it. But most teams obviously are set in their ways and they have a brand that is their that is their identity. So I get it. But yeah, like an alternate helmet would be definitely be cool. Like I seen like there's always obviously immediately all the graphic designers in the world go crazy on Twitter and, and social media, and they start designing the the you know the the makeup mock jerseys of what they could possibly look like. And there were some pretty cool ones I saw people coming up with. So I'm excited to see man what they come up with. But I'm honestly for the cheese as a cheese fan, knowing what we do here, we keep things pretty dull. If I'm being honest, but that's why I'm hoping like Mahomes and Kelsey could kind of like. If they can let them like let them kind of have I know a, a creative input on it, I kind of trust those guys to come up with something saucy. But in my mind, I'm I'm not expecting nothing. All right, last question. Last question for you guys. Uh, so, according to some, uh, I was reading some. Uh, I can't remember what it was, but it was on Twitter. Uh, they said that uh, Lamar Jackson and John Harbaugh are the uh, QB uh, head coach duo under the most pressure in 2021. And would you agree on that? It really depends on what happens with Aaron Rodgers and Matt LaFleur. It really depends on what happens with uh, either if Justin Fields and Matt Nagy, because we don't know if Matt Nagy is going to have a, a future in Chicago. We don't know if Justin Fields is going to be and how much pressure is going to be on him. But overall, I would say probably yes, because of the fact that John Harbaugh, he's going nowhere unless he wants to. Uh, the Ravens are very, very happy with him. But Lamar Jackson is the big question. I, I've told you guys, I, I'm going to stand very firm on this. I am both a Lamar Jackson fan. I said he was going to be the most successful out of his draft class, which so far without question has been. Yeah. But the fact that 
the Ravens have to believe that they 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 have they have to ask they have to be real with themselves and say can we really win with Lamar as he currently is because they're not allowing people to film him at practice throwing the ball because he still very much struggles with that and as an NFL quarterback you have to be able to throw the ball at a high level in order to succeed we've never seen a quarterback that has run first ever succeed at at the highest level never get to the Super Bowls outside of Steve Young but he was a great thrower of the football mm. so. I think that they it's without question they have a ton of pressure, especially being with a contract year with Lamar Jackson. He's looking for money that's in between Patrick Mahomes and Dak Prescott, which is going to be a substantial amount of money, and, and you're talking about four to five years. Are the Ravens willing to do that? I feel like if they were going to, it would have probably already have happened. I think it's going to end up happening, but I, I there you have to think there is some reluctancy uh, in regards to this. So the pressure is without question. It's just a matter of how they handle it and knowing who their daddy is, or rather what Lamar said, their kryptonite in the Kansas City Chiefs. If you can't beat the Chiefs this season, you want to talk about pressure, that is going to be the pressure cooker. And I think they're going to get cooked, and you have to start thinking about these things. And like I said, I think the Ravens are looking at this going, if we can't beat the Chiefs this year, and they go 4-0 against us with Lamar Jackson, and, and, and depending on how they do in the playoffs, which I can't expect is going to be a long run for them, they have to make changes. And I think even as young and as, as talented as Lamar Jackson is, they have to weigh out their options. I think that's why there's a hesitancy with their contract. I, I think there's low-key a lot of pressure on the Browns, too, on Baker Mayfield to take that next step after being in you know the uh, the AFC Championship game. I think that was a, a big you know step for them. They obviously made that game. That was a big game against the Chiefs, and they played as well. But can they replicate that? I think that's a big thing, too. But I do think that it is Lamar Jackson, him already being an MVP of this league, I'll be honest. I'm of the mind. I don't think Lamar is ever going to win a ring. I just don't see. I don't think it's in his future. I think he's going to be a as long as his legs are, are intact and he's still the athlete that I believe that I know that he is. That everyone knows that he is. He's obviously incredible. I just don't think he has that. That I don't think. I don't know. It depends if he puts it all together. Like you said, if he can, if he can get his throwing his accuracy better and in the intermediate passes, he's got a fairly good deep ball because he's got a hell of an arm. He's a freak athlete. But he, it's a lot up here. It's a lot in his head that I just don't know if he, he will ever put it together. I'm not going to say he can't. I'm not, but I personally don't see a Super Bowl ring on his finger in his career. I just don't. I don't think he's that guy. And, and it's sure, like you said, run first quarterbacks just don't typically succeed. And if they have success, it's short. It's short. It's not a long term thing. It just doesn't work in this league because it's a tough sport, man. There's always a bigger, badder man out there that's going to catch you without you knowing it's coming. And that's and run first quarterbacks. Him not being a big fella, one good hit on him, man, that could be the end of it. So I, that, he's going to have to tighten up the screws on his on his throwing abilities and fix that. I love Don Harbaugh. I'm a big Harbaugh fan, both of the brothers there. But um, And John Harbaugh's obviously done it. And I think there is a lot of pressure on Lamar for sure, and I think there is the most. I would say John. I would say those two. I think the Bills have a lot of pressure too to replicate what they've done and put together. And they they obviously failed and came short last year. But I think the Browns too. I think people are sitting on the Browns. They. I mean, I think I'm expecting them to be good. But I think Baker has a lot of pressure being. He has a long term contract on his hands as well. Right. Yeah, him and Coach both. This is their second year together, and you know I think having that consistency together again, they're expected to do big things this year. So I think there's a lot of pressure on the Browns to replicate and do go further than what they were last year. For Ooh, sure. And then one little thing before uh, this segment's over. Uh, Dustin Pedroia has been elected to the Red Sox Hall of Fame. Hell yeah, nice. easy. Dustin Pedroia too. He he embodies the Red Sox better than almost any other player in the history he of that that heart, franchise. That absolutely says something. That dude was all heart, Lazy great show. player. Yeah, Lazy late, great great player. Hell yeah, man. So that's it. Awesome Eddie Hour, man. That was a great Eddie Hour. So we need to get to you people. Uh, we have the Monday mailbag, man. I am so excited for this one. I hope there's some good questions. I can imagine we got our regulars in there, but uh, 
But when we have some newbies in there, man, we're going to get to the Monday Mailbag. I hope you guys are excited. We'll get back to that after this. Midcoast Modern is a Kent City focus on modern, handmade, and small brands. A resource for design-centric home goods, apparel, jewelry, artwork, and limited edition gifts. We support makers, artists from the Midcoast, and bring in goods from makers, artists around the U.S. to offer a unique selection. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Mail time. Back at it again on the Spoken Podcast for segment number three. I am your host, Lance Twidwell, here inside the Spoken Studios with my guys, Trevor Twidwell and Eddie Ortiz. Yo, yo, yo. It is time for the Monday Mailbag. What we do each and every week is we give you, the listening audience, an opportunity to take over the show for an entire segment. Whatever it is in the world of sports y'all are fuming on, we let you voice it and express it to us, and we give you guys our honest responses to it. Eddie, what is in the Monday Mailbag this week? All right, man. Uh, first question comes from Donnie Couch. Uh, hey guys, and discount Gabriel. I think he meant Gabriel. Gabriel. See, you need, no, Gabriel's his cousin. Yeah, you need to learn. You need to learn how to how to you know how to write. Just saying, go to school. Spelling. Go to school. Jesus. Ho was your week. It's how, bro, not ho. He said, "Ho was your week." Donnie asks every question. I always appreciate it, man, because it's always a good starter for a conversation. My my week wasn't bad, man. Honestly. And as always, though, I'm glad to finish it off with you guys here. So thank you for asking, Donnie, and I hope you're doing well, brother. My whole was being a bitch this week, so. Um, how many years away from contending is the, this Royals team? It's it's really hard to gauge because we have this question every week. Well, it's a fair question because of the fact the Royals absolutely suck right now. So it's kind of you have to look towards the future. Um, I don't think they're as far away as you think, though, because I remember back in 2011 and 2012, the Royals were atrocious. And they were asking these very same questions. And you saw in 2013, they started to really emerge. You start to, started seeing some of these young guys come about. And then 2014, we all know what happened. In 2015, we all know what happened. Um, I, I don't expect the Royals to be a Super, Super Bowl, a World Series contender the next couple of seasons. But I do expect them to be a playoff team in the next couple of seasons. Biggest reason why is because I have full faith and confidence, and not only these young studs are going to be coming up and Bobby Witt and these other guys that we can talk and break down about, but also I trust Aiden Moore. I trust Aiden Moore is going to get the right veterans in place, just like he did in 2014 and 2015 when he went and got James Shields, uh, Cueto, Ventura, uh, not Ventura, I'm sorry, but uh, uh, Cueto, like I said, uh, Volquez, uh, Ben Zobris, guys like that. Like th- Those are the kind of pieces that you add around these young, developing stars like they did with Kane and Hosmer and Moustakis. Uh, Ventura, Danny Duffy, Salvador, like all those guys were the main pieces, but all these pieces around is what I believe Dayton's going to bring around these guys. And I think that because of the fact that Mondesi has become a failure, and I'm just going to go ahead and say it, he's become a failure to this point of his career as a baseball player, not just a Royal, can't stay healthy. Um, Because of that very factor, I think it puts a lot of a dimmer light on the team as currently constructed and going forward. But we can't allow him to be the wet blanket on this team because I believe this team has a lot of young budding talent. And when they come up, you will see why I am optimistic about this team and why they, the Royals fans, should be optimistic as well. Because I don't believe they're as far away as they look right now because it's hard to gauge with this team as currently constructed. But this is not going to be the team moving forward. they got a lot of promise coming out. I just hope you guys hold tight because this team is not far away. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if they, I don't know what the future looks like for them. I mean, they've had promising young players. 
that could become something and be the core nucleus guys that can, you know, develop into a contender um, within the next few years or so. Uh, I hope so, because I would love to see the Royals be a contender while the Chiefs are contending for Super Bowls every year. You know, that'd be fun to have that, you know, similar to the last year with the LA Lakers and the Dodgers winning the same year. I would like to see that in this city. That'd be great just for the overall morale of the city, having both of our teams contending like that. Um, so I, I, I personally don't really know, man. Like, I think I think they have the potential. But with baseball, it's so, I mean, it's really, you got to get a collective group to buy in and really be, you know, develop that momentum and develop that camaraderie. Baseball is such a, baseball is just a different, unique sport in that sense to where you got to have, People got to be on the same page, man. You got to have, you got to be able to have that camaraderie between your players and, you, and the pitchers got to be, that dugout's got to be, or that bullpen, I mean, has got to be on the same page and you got to find the proper rotations. And, you know, it, it, there's a lot that goes into baseball more than any other sport in my mind. There's so many technicalities. So if we can get it together, like I do, like Lance said, I do trust Dayton Moore. He's obviously proven he can do it, bring the right guys in to have the same mindset. And mindset is key for baseball, especially, you know, when you have a, a group of guys you know, uh, becoming a, a core. And we have a lot of young guys that are still molding into becoming their own personal identity. So I think there is definitely promise. Um, I'm hoping so. I, but I don't, I really don't know, man. I, I can't really say yes or no. All right. Next question. Donnie couch. Do you think CJ McCollum is an attractive piece for a contender to trade for? Oh, and if so, who can you see uh, going after him? I think the Philadelphia 76ers are definitely in play for him. I think McCollum makes a ton of sense. I think that the Blazers are going to try their best to respect McCollum and get him on a contender. I don't think they're going to try to trade him to a team that he's just going to disappear on. Uh, but I definitely think the Blazers are going to blow this thing up this offseason, especially now that Terry Stotts has been fired and, and that was their long term coach. I mean, he's been there nine years. Yeah. I, yeah. I think the fact, I think this Blazers team is going to blow this up. Damian can very well get traded as well. And I think, honestly, if I'm Damian Lillard, I asked for one. I think that he's done everything he can. He's given them eight, nine great seasons of basketball. It's time to move on. But on McCollum's side, I would be. I would be astronomically shocked if McCollum is with the Blazers this next season, unless he chooses not to go anywhere and he tells them, don't trade me. I fully expect he's going to be on a team in the Eastern Conference. More likely, I think it's going to be Philly. If I'm looking at it now, I think there's going to be a Ben Simmons type of trade that goes down with that, and Portland gets themselves Ben Simmons as it stands. But a lot can change. We're not even in the offseason yet. That's just me going off speculation. But 100%, I... 100% believe McCollum is gone yeah. uh, starting next season. Yeah, I feel it's a great idea, too. And I also will throw Boston out there. I think Boston would be a great spot for him to be that step two guard scorer because they have two – obviously, Boston has two really good wing players, obviously. So, I think we, with Kimba being out of the picture now, they need that other scorer. And obviously, in my mind, I think he's better than Kimba. Um, I think McCollum is a legitimate piece and is a great a Robin to any Batman on any team or any – or he could be the Batman on certain teams depending on where he lands. But – I think him being on on the uh, um, the Celtics or or Philly for sure; those are two great spots. Um, yeah, I mean, I could we could sit here and talk about the different scenarios, but yeah, anywhere he goes, he's definitely going to be a plus. He's going to improve any team he lands on because he's obviously been around, you know, good coaching. He's been around obviously a great borderline superstar player in Dame Lillard. You know, so he's been around telling. He's learned a lot and he's improved his game every single season. He's, it seems like he's gotten better every year of his career, in my mind. Um, so yeah, I mean, depending on where he goes, I do believe the Blazers are going to blow that up, and I think Dame's gone as well. I think they're just—I think that if they if they that that whole story has ran its course, and they just were never able to achieve what they thought they could. And loyalty can only go so far in the NBA, especially. So I yeah, I'm I'm excited to see this this NBA offseason. Though I think there's going to be actually more moves than people expect. So yeah, I think McCollum's gone for sure. All right, next question comes from Donnie Couch. 
Oh, Donnie Cowd's on a roll. I like it. Call him butter. Which young team? Uh, which young teams in the NBA are you most intrigued by going forward after this playoffs? I think the Memphis Grizzlies and the Hawks are going to be threats for years to come. Uh, I'm, I'm a little bit more reluctant on the Grizzlies because I don't know if they're going to be able to build around Jaw like people just anticipate they will. Now, Valanciunas is a really good player, but I don't think that you're going to have a title contender if Valanciunas is the second best player on a team. So I have a hard time just automatically assuming that. Young and upcoming teams, I think I'm, I'm obviously going to tell you guys the Suns because I think I think Chris Paul is going to stay there even though he did, declined his – Offer that he had, I think that they're gonna they're gonna find a way to keep Chris Paul for the foreseeable future. Devin Booker is an absolute superstar. Andre Ayton continues to defy logic as a big man in today's NBA. I think he's an absolute stud. They're gonna continue to. And Monty Williams is one of the five best coaches in the NBA. So that's the team I obviously would go with. But if I'm looking just outside the box, I know this is gonna sound crazy, but Trevor's gonna love this one. I think the Hornets. I think the Lamella ball is the truth. He's proven me wrong. I didn't really know what to expect from him going into this season. He proved me wrong. I think he's the truth. I think he's the kind of guy that can lead a team. I think that you're going to see that team get better. I'm not going to say they're going to make a title contender next year because they will not a be. Couple pieces. But a young, yeah, a young up and coming team. McCollum goes there. Yes, I, I, yes. Now it depends on where Kate Cunningham goes. Yeah, Kate Cunningham goes in the in the draft this year because I think he's the truth as well. Mm-hmm. There's so many potential budding superstars in this draft. It could really change the Detroit Pistons. It's not crazy to think that, that team they get Cade, they could really change their stars as well. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say right now, just because of what I know I'm getting out of Lamelo Ball, I'm gonna go with him, even over John Morant, who I love big time. I just don't trust the Memphis Grizzlies as a franchise. I actually crazy as it sounds, I actually trust the Hornets more because the MJ and some of these other guys have relinqu- relinquished a little bit of their responsibilities and allowed some other people that have talent and how to build a a, a, a proper team around them is going to be the guys that actually move that way and pioneer that way. And I think the Hornets are going to build LaMelo a really good team. Yeah, I like that call on LaMelo because I'm a LaMelo guy. I like his game a lot. He's not only a good creative scorer, um, but he's a very good facilitator. And he, he you see it in his game. He, he thrives off getting other guys involved. That's what he loves about his game. He loves that about his own game, and he gets excited about it. And it's fun to watch him. He's just out there having fun. I think he's going to be a really good player for some years, man. Um, but yeah, I like that call. And I mean, I'd be remiss if I didn't mention, you know, New Orleans too, because New Orleans should be one of those teams. You know, you got Ingram, you got, you know, you, you got those guys over there. You know, you got Zion, obviously. So, and, and, and Lamar, or Lamar, um, you got Lonzo Ball over there. So, you got, you got three good players that, that all complement each other well, in my mind. I did, but I know there's been rumors about Zion's situation with his family not being happy there or whatever. And granted, we've seen this over. We've seen this with AD, and we were having this conversation, obviously, off off air. But that should be one of those teams, too. They have good talent there. Um, if they could figure it out, get everything smoothed out over there, That there's, there's, they have talent there, and that team should be good uh, moving forward. And they, they got the guy everyone wanted in Zion Williamson, and they should be that team. So that's one of the teams. Obviously, if the Knicks can keep rolling from how they ended this season, they obviously – overachieved a little bit this year if they can keep that ball rolling they can you know they can develop something you know they have a couple of good players that they're they're building on over there too um but yeah i mean um that's that those are the i'd say those are the ones that i'm looking at right now but obviously the hawks i'm not looking at them as a young team anymore i know the eastern conference finals right now yeah. they've arrived i think the hawks have arrived they beat philly straight up they beat philly straight up I, we could talk about how philly blew it and they should have won that series but I'm giving all of the credit to the Hawks, man. They beat them, and they, they just took game one in Milwaukee, so I'm not going to discredit them. I think they've already arrived. 
So, right. uh, next question, Donnie Couch. Uh, is Kyle Kuzma an attractive trade piece for a rebuilding team? And if so, which team could you see trading for Kuzma? I, I don't know if he's an attractive piece altogether, but I can see why he could be attractive. For one, he's not even – I think mean, he just turned 25. His contract is extremely team-friendly, and he's got talent. Um, you know, the, the whole aspect or the theory that maybe a change of scenery getting out of the uh, LeBron umbrella can maybe make him, you know, improve him as a player and get more of an individual look at him. I do believe that Kuzma is going to get traded to where that's a great question. I, I will throw this one out there uh, because I don't think the Lakers have a ton of trade assets to go out there and get a superstar player to team up with LeBron and AD and make a big three. But there is a guy that is extremely overrated because of the team he plays on and how bad they are that I could see maybe the, the, the Lakers, if they get you know two or three teams involved in a trade package or they trade Kyle Kuzma and some picks and maybe another piece to the Chicago Bulls for Zach Levine. I could see that one actually happening. That would be an enormous get. Sorry. Yeah. <laughs> Excuse me. Great. Enormous get great. for the Lakers if that could happen. That that could be one I could see happening for a trade, but that's that's a, that's on the top spectrum as far as a trade piece that you can get back in return. That's obviously a little bit borderline pipe dream as well, but I do expect 100% Kyle Kuzma will be moved and he'll probably go to the Eastern Conference. Yeah, I, I don't think the league is that stoked on Kyle Kuzma, to be honest. I think – if LeBron can't get the best out of Kyle Kuzma, not many people I think are going to. If he, if he granted, if he goes anywhere and has more opportunity, his numbers are going to be inflated slightly. So that's that's I'm not going to be you know blown away if his numbers are better if he goes somewhere else and has more opportunity, more 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 ball control, more time of possession in his in his personal possession. So that's gonna that's gonna happen. Um, but I don't I just don't Kyle Kuzma is like one of those guys that's like okay at everything. He's like kind of okay at everything. He's an okay passer. He's a decently good rebounder. Fairly good wing defender, nothing special though. He, he has a good frame of a basketball player. He's a good, he's a big size kid. He's not dumb, but he's like sometimes he just he just kind of is what he is. He's a very vanilla player. He has passion, but that can only take you so far. I just don't think he's the most talented kid. Um, he has hot streaks every once in a while where you'll hit from deep, but outside of that, he's very you cannot depend on him to be consistent ever. So. Uh, yeah, I mean, he'll, he'll go somewhere else. I'm sure the, the Lakers will package him and get, try to get something out of him, but I don't think he carries much weight, to be honest. All right. Uh, next question comes from Shaggy Shane. All right. Justin Houston flourished uh, with Casey in a 3-4 defense under Romeo Cornell and Bob Sutton's system, and he indeed made the switch to defensive end the last two, uh, the last two seasons with the Indianapolis Colts. My question is, do you see him able to play the three technique as well as all the other responsibilities that Spagnola requires for him as a true 4-3 defensive end? And do you think not being able to handle all of these responsibilities is a reason that the Chiefs have, haven't signed him? No, I don't, I don't. actually don't think it has anything to do with the Chiefs not wanting to sign Justin Houston. I think it comes down to Justin Houston and himself. you got to remember, he's a free agent, a veteran free agent, which means that he – is probably weighing out his options. Now, obviously, it's very long into the game as far as free agency is concerned to where now you're going to a team that has an injury, or I don't know, a guy that has multiple gun charges. And here's the thing about the Chiefs when Justin Houston White makes so much sense besides the obvious is the fact that I do believe he's the kind of guy that can, tr can transition to that because of the fact that he has been a guy 
that has played outside linebacker for the majority of his career, which essentially is what he would be playing at edge in Kansas City. Yes, it's a different scheme, but you're doing the same job, which is what? Go and get after the quarterback and put pressure on him. There are very few guys in the league that have been better consistently than Justin Houston as it currently stands at getting to the quarterback over the last 10-plus years. Justin Houston is an incredible player. He's not young anymore. He's 32 years old, but he's still got plenty of juice. And as we've seen over the last two seasons with the Indianapolis Colts, he's played all 32 games. He's been healthy. He had some health concerns here in Kansas City, and he wasn't worth the money, as we all know, and that's why the Chiefs ultimately walked away from him. Mm-hmm. But that is not that is no longer the case. He's not going to demand a humongous market value. He's not going to ex- expect multiple years. It'll be a one-year deal no matter where he goes because of the current stature of his career and where he's at in, age, in his age. But I do expect that no matter where Justin Houston goes, he's going to make a difference, which is why I'm so big on bringing him back to Kansas City because it also does right what, what's what's wrong. He gets an opportunity to finally contend for an, 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 a Super Bowl championship better than any other place he can ultimately end up. Do I think he's going to appear in Kansas City? No. I think he's going to get an opportunity to make a little bit more money somewhere else. But I'm hoping that it happens here in Kansas City. I would love to see him or Melvin Ingram, more him because of his health, uh, the differences between him and Melvin Ingram and their health. Yeah, I don't I don't think it's anything about his his ability to perform that's keeping the Chiefs from from bringing him back here. I think it's more about Justin Houston and his, his personal side of it. You know, he may not want to be back here. You know, that may – I mean, as dumb as that sounds, as dumb as it sounds to, for someone to not want to be in Kansas City, but, I mean, we saw Rashad Breeland make a choice to, you know, to, to take around the same amount of money he would have gotten from the Chiefs if he stuck around here. But we obviously didn't want to pay him. So I don't know. Who, who really knows what's going on behind the scenes with Justin Houston? Um, I do think, you know, he would definitely be uh, – he's still a viable player, still able to contribute um, at his position or even playing, you know, some defensive end there. I think I think he's still very much able to, to perform. So, um, yeah, like we've all been pushing for him to come back here. We would love that. I think most fans would love that. He's still loved here, um, but yeah, I don't. I don't think it's about the Chiefs like second guessing whether he's he's a, he's a, a capable player still. I think we all know that he is. He played really well last year um, in a similar defensive scheme. So I think if we can make it happen, we can make it happen. We might need to make some choices. Who knows? Like you said, who knows with the Frank Clark situation, we might be forced to make a choice on one of these guys and see if we can get one of them here. So I'm all aboard the Justin Houston train though. All right. Uh, last question comes from Ben Hall. If uh, if somehow Trey Young beats the Bucks, is he going to be considered a top ten player now? No, I, I don't think he's in the top ten yet. Uh, that's that's a very elite category you have to be in. And although Trey Young has been absolutely phenomenal in these playoffs, it's a little too soon for me to comfortably put him in the ten because of the fact he has a lot of deficiencies in his game as well. Not offensively, he can score with the best of them. He can. He's a great distributor. The defensive side of things, he is an absolute liability. Now, we have seen other superstars have these problems. We've seen Damian Lillard and Steph Curry, guys that are built a lot like Trey Young that play a very similar style of basketball, have those efficiencies as well on the defensive side. But the problem, the difference is they have longevity. They've been doing this for 5, 10, almost 15 years. So it's a little bit different in how we go about this. I don't want to be so quick to put a guy in that category, but I also don't want to be the guy that's last to the party. So I'm not going to sit here and say that Trey Young – doesn't have the trajectory because he 100% does. And in fact, if he has another season like this going into 2021-22 season, he plays like this again, he is 100% in the top 10 in my opinion, unless somebody, another nine guys have equal amount of performances like he has. He's very well on his way, but as it currently stands, no, I'm not going to put him there yet, but he is well on his way. Yeah, to, to, to jump yourself into the top 10 in the NBA, 
there's got to be some some level of consistency and in, 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 in continuity in your career. This is this is this is this is Trey's arrival party. This is his coming of age party, and we're seeing it right now. This is his opportunity to become right. He's becoming before our eyes, and he's he's already overachieved. And no one expected the Hawks to be where he, he they're, where, where they're at right now. And he is the key cog to why they're there in this position right now. So I think. He has the ability, no doubt, to be a top 10 guy in this league, especially moving forward with some of these older guys, you know, kind of on their way out, you know, the LeBrons and the KDs. Obviously, KDs is still going to be around, but some of these guys are going to be eventually be gone here soon in the next handful of years. So I definitely think that Trey is going to be one of these. He could very well be one of these catalysts, you know, for the next decade, couple decades, in the NBA being one of the guys, you know, the Longa Lucas and Devin Bookers and the Jason Tatums of the world. Those could be the future guys right there, the Zion Williamson's. You know, those guys, those could, he could very well be lumped into that group for the next, the future top 10. I don't think he's there yet. You got to give me some, some consistency. And, you know, if next year he, he brings his Hawks team, shit, if they win the, 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 the championship this year and then they come back and they're right back in the race again for another one, no doubt in my mind he's going to start getting in those talks. But right now, this is his moment. He's, he's doing well. He's flourishing. But it, he's going to have to have some consistency, some year-in, year-out consistency to be, you know, label the top 10 player in the NBA, especially with as, as talented as today's league is. So he's definitely up there. He's getting there though, man. The kid is, he's, he's thriving in his, in his opportunity, his moment right now. So that's sure. it. Awesome mailbag guys. We always appreciate you guys each and every week. We do that. I posted on the Facebook group on Mondays. Definitely get in that, man. If you guys are new or you guys have an idea or you guys, you know, want to want to bring something up, definitely bring it, man. Don't, don't hesitate, but we have one more order of business. Guys, what is it called? Hold Hold this L! KC Hemp Company, your most trusted CBD provider in Kansas City. Shipping nationwide. Ancient plant for a new age health. Follow them on Facebook and Instagram at Casey Hempco. It's time to hold this L. I want you to do me a favor and hold this L. Somebody's got to hold that L. <laughs> Le him, the her. I'm talking like caps lock L L L L L L L L Cool J stuff. Hold that L. <laughs> Good God, man! Hold this gigantic. <gasps> Veiny, pulsating oh hell. Man, you are one pathetic loser. You ignorant man. <laughs> oh, that was great. Oh, hold Sorry. this hell. It's time to hold this L. What we do each and every week is we end our shows, we wrap up every episode with some friendly or not so friendly L's in the world of sports. I promise you, though, and I assure you all that whoever is holding the, world, the, the L in the world of sports from us this week, next week, last week, any week, they deserve that motherfucker. So, Eddie, Mr. Eddie Ortiz, Mr. Yo Yo Yo, who's holding L for you this week? And is it F1? Yes. Yeah! Going to F1. Yes. I was, was, was going to give it to. Uh... To F one uh, to Pirelli, which is a tire manufacturer, but that's it's in the past now. Uh, but this past weekend we had uh, the French uh, Grand Prix uh, 
amazing race, amazing race. Uh, we saw how sweet the sound. Yeah, we, huh? How sweet the sound. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I lost my train of thought. <laughs> oh, uh, we had uh, Verstappen uh, finished first, Hamilton second, and Sergio Perez third. Uh, for the first time this year, we we seen uh, two Red Bulls in the first three spots. Uh, great race. Uh, why am I uh, giving the uh, an L2 Mercedes in this specific race? Well, because they had the lead. Uh, Max Verstappen gave the lead in lap one, turn one. Uh, he he uh, couldn't turn the car, so he kind of went out, out of the track, and so Lewis took over, and he was leading the race. But, you know, down came the pit stops. Uh, Lewis Hamilton pitted first. Uh, no, it was uh, Max Verstappen pitted first, and then Lewis Hamilton pitted uh, the lap right after that. And Max Verstappen uh, did the undercut and was able to go first place. How did that happen? I have no fucking idea. But Max Verstappen had to have like the most amazing lap he's ever done. Uh, but not only that, Max Verstappen, who was leading the race, had to pit again. And Mercedes didn't react the way that they needed to react to that uh, that pit stop because they let the both drivers uh, out there with the hard compound. Uh, so their tires were just getting worse and worse as the laps went out. And Max Verstappen just flew by, caught, caught up to uh, Valtteri Bottas, who was second. And then eventually, two, with, two, with two laps to go, he passed uh, Lewis Hamilton for first place. And to make matters worse for, uh, for Mercedes, Valtteri Bottas fell to fourth when uh, Sergio Perez took, took third with uh, eventually two laps or the last lap. Uh, in the race so mercedes completely read that whole race wrong they, they didn't pit when they had to uh and it was just uh, a great feeling great joy seeing uh lewis hamilton get that uh first place taken away from him for the first time he was the one being chased. uh it was fun it was amazing it was the best experience the best race so far of this year hopefully many more lewis hamilton uh losses We'll go with that. Uh, but yeah, Mercedes, you're going to have to do me a favor and hold this L. L. Trevor Turbo, who's holding the L for you this week, my man? So I'm going to give a W. It's been a little while since I've given out a W, but I want to give out a W. What a week. Yeah. It's been a you know good four or five episodes since I have. But um, I'm a big fan of the tight end position. It's my favorite position. Always has been my favorite position in, 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 in football. Um, I like it that it's a very multifaceted um a lot of different things, a lot of different uh, um, responsibilities for tight ends, especially if the, the evolution of tight ends becoming more of an offensive weapon uh, in modern day football. Um, either way, um, I'm going to give a shout out to um, to Travis Kelsey, our own Travis Kelsey, George Kittle, um, and um, Hall of Fame tight end Greg Olson. Um, I just want to give these guys a shout out for what they've been doing with this this new. Um, I don't know if you guys heard about it, the um, the tight end university that they put together. They have over 30 different tight ends, um, young guys, some rookies, some vets. Um, they got them all together, and they created their own little, like, it's pretty cool. It's a pretty unique thing like that they're doing. Yeah. yeah, it's like, a, it, it's, it is. It's, it, it's, that's why I like because I love that kind of, like, camaraderie between yeah. men. Like, it's their own, like, yeah, it's like you said, a fraternity. And, and, and tight ends has been something that's been evolving and evolving. It's become more of a flashy um, position over some time, especially over the last valuable time. position. Well, yeah, yeah but I mean, it t- typically, like back in the day, it was more. That's why. That's why the guys like Tony Gonzalez and 
Shannon Sharp revolutionized the position. Became they made it more of a flashy offensive weapon type of role. Um, but before that, it was typically more just an extension of the blocking game and more uh, con- con- contributing to uh, run blocking for running the running game and stuff like that. In the '90s and the '80s was very more blocking based. But anyways, yeah, they've had over they have over 30 guys um, um, in attendance. And I've been watching. It's been really cool on social media watching like all the videos and guys with like shotgun and beers and just kicking back. And the coolest part about it is, man, is what I like about it is not only just the camaraderie and them bringing all these guys together from opposing teams, from guys from within their divisions, and um, George Kittle and Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson, they're all like teaching the, the their skill sets and when like in pointers to these young guys and guys that are similar in age to them, you know, that are their not only their peers but their direct competition too. And I just think it's cool to see all these guys that compete against each other, but also show love and come in and stay in a big ass house together. And, you know, and go out and, you know, have some drinks together, have a good time, build rapport, you know, build a brotherhood within the brotherhood of the shield, but as its own entity, its own set apart thing. And it's just cool for me being a diehard fan of the position, of the, of the title position, seeing these guys kind of, you know, put a little more emphasis on that position and seeing our own guy and Travis Kelsey um, be a, a big part of it, you know, hosting this and, and you know, and then um, uh, imparting his wisdom and, you know, and, and him himself, you know, keeping guys from making the same mistakes that he made as a hot-headed guy and, you know, being him who he is and how he's evolved as a person, as a player. Um, George Kittle being the great personality he is as well. Those two guys together, man, it's just been fun to watch on Instagram and and, 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 and Twitter and YouTube and just watching the videos that they've been putting out and the content's been really, really cool to see that. It's cool to see, you know, get into the, the lives of these young guys and some of these veterans and, you know, what they have to share and just seeing these – it's just good to see that, man. And all, my main point is, it's just good to see that these guys are kind of creating their own thing, um, and um, and you know, bringing more life and more recognition to the tight end position. You know, the, all the things that they do, uh, and seeing the the um, the ego of the lack of ego, I should say, of Travis Kelsey and Greg Olson and, and George Kittle to you know share their secrets, share their 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 talent and their their uh, little shortcuts to better these guys' career too. And that's just cool to see that. You don't see that very often. A lot of these guys are very reclusive. They don't want to do that. They don't want to, you know, share, like, what what helped them find success, you know. So I just think that's really, really cool. Uh, so for that, I'm just going to give them – I'm just going to uplift them even more and, and you know, uh, give them a W this week for that. I just think it was really, really, really cool to see for the morale of that position in, in the NFL overall. Well, I appreciate the W, but I'm going to give out an L that is the opposite of a morale boost. And it continues to trend downward for the Major League Baseball um, situation that, that we have because as many instances that we have talked about on this show alone or just my own personal issues with the way baseball handles things, outside of the steroid era and how they handled that in complete hypocrisy and, and the way that they turned on the guys that made them all the money they've had ne- never had beforehand and probably never will again, I think this might take the cake, though, as as one of the most laughable, disgraceful moments in time uh, in, in Major League history. And I don't mean to sound hyperbolic. I don't mean to sound, you know, overreaction. I know everyone accuses me of that, but it, it, it you have to you have to look at this situation that we have on our hands in baseball. They are they are now interrogating pitchers on the mound. They are now, and, and this has always been a rule. The rule has always been there to where. The opposing manager can challenge and and have the, the 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 pitcher checked. That's always been around, but now in the middle of this season, they're really starting to crack down on these these pitchers, which we all know have been used 
using stickum and different things. Of the, and I've told you guys my my thoughts and feelings on it. That if it improves the game and it's it's not harming anyone's health, or if these players feel that it's in their best nature, and the and the and the leagues are benefiting off of it, who is it really harming? And I've always been on that side, but now they want to take this moral high ground stance again, like they did 20 years ago in the steroid era, which is just laughable. We're seeing guys like Max Scherzer, who is a surefire Hall of Fame pitcher, the greatest pitcher of his generation, being interrogated on the field not once, not twice, but three different times by Philly's manager, Joe Girardi's request. And then Joe Girardi tries to act like a tough ass, which he is. He whoops somebody's ass. That dude was a catcher and he's a badass. Dude could throw down. But he was acting like a tough ass while being held back by the officials, by the umpires, rather, uh, when he did the third and final challenge and Scherzer's in the dugout, the opposing dugout. And you see, because everybody in baseball has history, uh, the the batting coach for the Nationals used to work under uh, um, Girardi back in New York when they were with the Yankees. So there's some bad blood there, I think, probably some rivalries and things of that nature. But Girardi made an ass of himself and, quite frankly, just basically exposed the embarrassment that the Major League Baseball the Major League Baseball is going through with all this because I understand that they all want to play a pure game, but there is no pure game. That does not exist. That has never existed. Players throughout the centuries in baseball have always looked for a competitive edge and have been cheating, quote-unquote. But the fact is, is that now we're in 2021, and it's so funny because they thought if they took away – the stickum that they were going to up the batting averages amongst the, the league wide. Well, as of Wednesday, I heard this on the Dan Patrick show. See, going into Wednesday this week, the league wide batting average was 239. They thought cracking down and taking this stickum was going to up the batting averages and add more scoring, and they think ratings are coming. No, batting averages actually dropped eight points. So since the stickum went away, I think what they did is they ignited this fury and frustration and focus in pitchers to now they're like, fuck you, we're going to prove to you we didn't need that shit. It just gave us a little bit of an edge that we liked, but it didn't. It wasn't a requirement. And now you're seeing these pitchers going out here and absolutely crushing. You saw the Chicago Cubs just had a, for the first time in franchise history, and Cub, the Cubs are one of the most historic franchises, not just in baseball, but in sports, in American sports, just had their first joint no-hitter. In the history of their franchise, they've always just had one pitcher, no hit. They had a collective no hitter for the first time. That is not a coincidence. These teams are gearing up and reacting to what baseball has done to them. They're pissed off. Now, am I on the side of some of these pitchers that are crying and going, we need this? No, 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 because there's some of these pitchers out here being basic bitches about this, and they need to step up. I've always told you guys, baseball, baseball, Major League Baseball embodies the biggest crybabies in all of sports, and that included Kevin Durant. And so now we're looking at this and go, okay, where do we go from here? I have no idea, guys. Major League Baseball's fucked. I have no idea how they're going to continue to get through this stuff because this, this is an absolute joke, yeah. an absolute farce of what we're going through here. Max Scherzer should not have to go through what he's going through. As an ambassador, as one of the greatest pitchers to ever live, having to endure something like that is absolute garbage. For that, Major League Baseball, Rob Manfred, you fucking clown, y'all can do me a favor and hold this up. Good episode, guys. We talked. We talked Chiefs. We talked NBA. We talked baseball. We had a great mailbag. This was a, this was a wholesome episode here at the Spoken Podcast. I'm really proud of what we did tonight, guys. I think we accomplished some great things. Uh, man, I cannot wait for football season. It's going to be here before we know it, guys. We're geared up. We're ready to go. We have some guests lined up. I know we haven't had guests the last couple weeks. You know how things go, man. In the summertime, people are moving. Things are going. Things are shaking. But I promise you, guys, we have some great lineups your way. Stay tuned for that. 
But this was a fun show, just all of us, man. It's got we got a little solo act. Stay tuned also because we have some visual side of things coming around the the forefront as well, guys. I hope you're ready. We're gonna get some things added back to the equation here at the Spoken Podcast. We're gonna add it back. Hope you guys are ready for it. But in the meantime, for Trevor Twidwell, for Eddie Ortiz, for the great Clay Windler, who was in the backdrop, the Wizard of Oz here, the one that makes things really pop around here. I am Lance Twidwell. Episode 122 of the Spoken Podcast is done, and until episode 123 rears its beautiful head, we out of this bitch. We're going to get out of this bitch. Thank you so much for listening, guys. See ya. You are tuned into the spoke. I might actually stick. I might actually stick around for a little bit.